my name is Frances. And I'm Alice. And welcome to this week's episode of Two Friends in a Pod for friends who want to talk about all things movies, music, TV and pop culture. On today's episode, we are talking about Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, the 2001 OG Harry Potter movie. Absolute classic. But before that, I think, Francis, there is a movie that you watched, not for me, but I'm glad you watched it so that I now don't have to. <laughs> yes, I watched the movie After We Fell, which is part of that whole After series. Is it a trilogy? So I think there's going to be one extra one. So okay. whatever a four movie series is called. <laughs> a quads. Quadruplet? Quadrilogy? (laughs) Yes, we'll stick with that. (laughs) Trying to find what the movies were called. I know the first one was just called like... Is it just called After? After? (laughs) Why can't I find this information on Wikipedia? I was just literally looking at that. (laughs) Okay, so... Oh, yeah, it's called After. Which started in 2019. Then After We Collided, After We Fell... And I think the last one is going to be called After Ever Happy. Have you watched any of these? I have not. I have seen clips, I'm going to mm. say, but nothing that really stands out to me. I also have not watched like any of the Fifty Shades of Grey movie, which I know were like a similar genre. I say genre, I just like I think it's a similar sort of plot, sorry. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I haven't watched any of these things. I think in my head it's not worth it. Like I could very much <laughs> use this time to watch literally anything else and I feel like I would be much happier. You know what? You're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think also, yeah, like probably influenced by like things you said, like if we're going to talk about Fifty Shades in particular, like you, I think you've watched all of those movies yeah, as well. Yes. And I think just based what on your comments, with my life, yeah, just based on your comments, I just feel like yeah, they're not for me. And mm. actually, so at the time, my Fifty Shades of Grey was a really popular book. I actually did borrow a book of it, but I mm. borrowed it off a friend. So a friend was reading it at the time, and I was like, Wait, oh hey, this like, friend does her name start with an? A? No, his friend starts with an. A. Oh, who is it? <laughs> yeah so she had the book and I was like oh like can I borrow it I just want to see how I like it and I read like the first page and I was like this isn't for me <laughs> yeah if it's for you fine but I don't think it's for either of us yeah it's not for mm. everyone was it like one of the lines I think that sticks out to me in the book was that he was yummy and after that, I was like, I don't think this is for me. I think there's a line where they describe his dick as like a popsicle or something. Yeah, it's it's a it's an it's odd interesting. It's an odd metaphor. Um, so mm. like I guess we want to talk about the whole erotica genre because <laughs> a fellow friend I has actually lent me some of her books. And I have actually read them. And I would say that they were a lot better than yeah. the first page of Fifty Shades of Grey because yeah. the writing was, I think, a lot more eloquent. And even though the story is, like, really silly, it kind of, like, really leans into that and it's just like, yeah, whatever. Like, we're not, yeah. not going to pretend that we're here for anything else. Whereas I think, I don't know, I just felt with the Fifty Shades of Grey, again, I'm judging it off one page, yeah. um, but it just it felt like one badly written, overly cliche and just not very original maybe. Yeah, I don't have anything against the actual genre of erotica. I mm. think it's well written. I think it could be really good. I think particularly mm-hmm. just for like Fifty Shades, the whole series, mm. it just wasn't, to us at least from my personal opinion, mm. well written. And I think the characters are pretty shit. And I mm, would say yeah. the exact same thing for the After series. Like I haven't read the yeah. books, but it's also fan fiction. It's actually based mm. on One Direction fan fiction. And if I was Harry, <laughs> I would be <laughs> 
seriously offended that I had any way inspired this story or this character <laughs> of like Harden. I think his name is, yeah. Especially now, the way that we all view Harry Styles at the moment, he sort of he's had this resurgence as sort of like a feminist icon in a way mm-hmm. because you know, people have I've seen so many TikToks of him just like um, saying things that are very clearly him being a feminine. I don't know, female ally, I guess, <laughs> is what we want to call it. I'm so comfortable with my se- sexuality mm. and my individuality that, like, I'll just wear whatever, even if it makes me seem somewhat, like, I guess, quote, feminine. And that's why a lot of females in particular really enjoy not only his music, but also, like, his stage like performances. His yeah. His you know, every time he's in an interview, you know, he is quite, what do you call it? Well-liked. Yeah. yeah. He is I really would, well-liked. Yeah. I would say that he has bears zero resemblance to the character of Harden in the Arthur <laughs> series like they're literally the only thing connecting them is they're both British and they have like British accents but apart from that I'm like what how are you how what does this have to do with Harry Styles at all I think it's maybe a reflection of Harry Styles when he was in One Direction mm. and this is previous to him doing his own personal music and establishing his own style and like persona in the media um when he was sort of like seen as kind of the cheeky bad boy I think in in One Direction okay. I don't know wasn't why that, that Zane is. or was Zane the quiet bad boy Zane was the quiet pretty boy I would okay. say <laughs> <laughs> what about the rest? What, what was um? So I guess it was who was it? There was Louis. What are the other two? Oh, goodness, you have the I, mega fan. I know. Alice has been to a One Direction concert. I have. It was great. Yeah, I have to tell you, it was it was actually good. So it was Harry, Zayn, Louis, Nile. What's there the last four one? of them? There's That's one. Not right. This is embarrassing. <laughs> no, the one that turned to like rap and hip hop. Yeah, Nile, Liam, Harry, Louis, and Zayn. Oh, I think we didn't say Liam. Yeah, oh, wait, sorry, no. Liam. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so Zayn, I guess, was a pretty boy. He left the group. Um, Harry was sort of like a cheeky. I think he was seen as sort of like a womanizer in a oh, way. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> My favorite was Harry. He was okay. always Harry. <laughs> he was your bias. Harry Opa. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what changed my mind about One Direction? This is a huge tangent, but the movie. So Zayn Malik was always my favorite previously. Like he started being my favorite in the beginning yeah. because I think he was like the quiet pretty boy. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, like that's my type. But then I watched the movie of the concert and then I was like, no, actually it's Harry. <laughs> He's just so charming. He's just really cheeky. He gets along with everyone. Um, and he just has something like a draw to him. I think I've also watched that One Direction movie. This Is Us? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I've watched it. I mean, even in Taylor Swift's song that is referencing Harry um, mm. style, like it's just there is something about him. James <laughs> bad boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he can't help it. Like something draws you in with his personality. Yeah. He's very, very charismatic. So, yeah, I don't know. He's hard and charismatic, would you say? No, he is toxic. <laughs> he is controlling. He's a massive asshole. He just needs so much therapy. These movies are trash, like, and I'm sorry. Like, I think the first two got a theatrical release and they mm-hmm. don't do very well. I don't know. But, like, third one just got released to Amazon Prime straight to streaming. So I watched it for you so you don't have to. And it just – the whole relationship is just, like, constantly fighting, having sex. Oh, it's okay now. Wait, there's another fight we have to get into. And that's yeah. the whole dynamic. And the guy is so annoying. He's constantly like telling her. So in one of, in the beginning, she's like, oh, like you broke up with me and I got a job offer in Seattle. So I'm moving to Seattle. And he's like, how dare you not tell me this? I thought mm. we were going to move to London together. And she's like, I never agreed. 
I never agreed to move to London with you. And, he, and he's getting angry that she like took a job instead of moving to London with him. But she, he never told her. How old are they? I think they're just out of college. Uh, okay. I was going to yeah. say, are they in high school? Because that sounds like very like they high should school be in behavior. <laughs> yeah. Like in terms of their level of maturity, they should be in high school. But they're like college graduates. Yeah. It, also, it would almost be like more forgivable if they were like actually 15, 16 years mm. old because that's... Because yeah. at that time, you're kind of like sort of a bit more self-centered. Like you don't really understand <laughs> like various things that are happening and like um, how that all like plays into <laughs> decision making and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, I'm just on the Wikipedia page for um, after and it had a budget of 14 million, but it made 69 million dollars <laughs> oh, really? worldwide. I don't know. I just had a giggle at the number. Sorry. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he's just constantly like getting mad at her for not being able to read his mind and like not giving up everything to stay with him. He's like, why would I move to Seattle with you? There's nothing there. And she's like, well, I thought, then why is he getting angry at her for not moving to London with him when there's nothing there for her? Do you know what I mean? It's just ridiculous. And then you find out he actually got a job offer for Seattle, but he just turned it down. So they could have just gone to Seattle together to work and live. And he's like getting mad at her for no reason. Breakdown in communication, really. Yeah, but it's, I totally blame him. He's the worst. <laughs> Poor Tessa is just the one like putting up with this shit. All she's getting out of it is allegedly good sex. Like apart from that, I don't know why she's yeah. subjecting herself to this torturous relationship. Because if it is purely like a physical relationship, then you sort of understand it from like a, I don't know, a brief encounter or like mm. a fling or something like that. Um, but it's not something that you would like risk your whole life and your future for. And I don't know what like, I don't know, demon contract the actors have like signed on to and why they, they're like stuck doing this awful series for four movies. <laughs> I mean, is couldn't we say that about the Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy as well? That's very true. Yeah. I really do feel like, what's her name? The one that destroyed Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah, what's her name? Oh, shit. Uh, Dakota Johnson. Dakota Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, Dakota Johnson is actually quite likable as a person. She's really likable and I've liked her in the other movies she's done. Yeah, exactly. So I really feel like it's one of those ones where you just need something to get your foot into the, to the mm. door in Hollywood. Um, it's good money. Like not many people would say no. Like we'd all like to think that we're better than that. But I mean, money speaks. And this particular book was a huge success financially. Mm. You know, I would probably do it, to be honest. Like <laughs> no one's going to ask me to do it, but I would probably do it if you paid me a, a good sum of money. <laughs> I guess it's after. Was it a popular fan fiction? Yeah, I can't tell. I mean, it must have been if it ended up getting published and, you know, turned into a movie series. That's it true. probably just be... like passed us by because we're clearly not the target audience for it. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, like, I don't, I did read fan fiction in high school. Mm. Not a lot, but like it was sort of in my little world of things. And also we had a friend who wrote fan fiction, so I always read her stories. But I don't, who reads fan fiction? Like, that's the question I want to know. How do you mm. find out about all this stuff, sort of stuff? Do you just have to be on that side of the internet? I guess so. Yeah. But After You Fell is still boring and trash. And it like ends on a really ominous note because you think, oh my God, like Tessa's finally going to dump him and like live her mm-hmm. life free of this like awful baggage. And then she goes to the hospital and she finds out that she might have trouble getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I just know they're going to have a baby together. Oh could- God. And then everyone's going to, it's going to play out like he's a wonderful father or something. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it just changes him and it's probably going to be a girl and it's going to be his little princess and he's going to be really protective of her and be one of those dads that's like, who are you dating my oh. girl? My little daughter? 
Or, or like he finally figures out that he must be better because he has a daughter now. Yeah. <laughs> like change my mind. Yeah, like having suddenly bearing a female into the world will make me treat females better. I don't know. <laughs> like um, maybe this girl is also a human being. Oh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but yeah, it's a terrible movie. He just like, yeah, is constantly getting angry at her. Like the waiter would just look at her and smile at her nicely and he's just like, why are you looking at him? Why is he looking at you like that? Mm. Chill out. I mean, this is a thing where we, we've talked about Twilight previously. Mm. This is the whole thing with why do we want people who treat us badly to like us? <laughs> or like, yeah. why do we think that that's, that makes you special? Is that the, yeah. is that the thing? That suddenly someone who's so bad will be good to you specifically because yeah. they like you so much. I would say that Harden is like 100% more terrible than Edward. Edward's worst quality was really that he was a vampire. <laughs> I would say. <laughs> what about he like was looking into her room and like watching her sleep? Is yeah, that but <laughs> yeah. So I'll put it down to his death. Like I, I was, I feel like him being dead may override him being a creep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say that's probably the biggest flag I see in that relationship is that he is immortal slash yeah he's basically living dead like yeah he's <laughs> he's over 100 years old like you know age difference all that sort of stuff <laughs> whereas i don't know harden is just like aggressive and like jealous and petty and insecure mm. and he fully takes it out on tessa and i just feel so sad that there might be some people watching this being like that's love or that's that's what i want then why does she keep going back to him i mean girl i don't know i really can't but, see it put yourself in your former teenage you were to like be the same person you were like 10 years ago or something do you think you would like this movie i don't think i would like it i think it's that bad like it's beyond a certain (laughs) level of like meanness that you could maybe accept Mm, (laughs) maybe yeah then again it's so popular like people like there's a huge fan base for this people really really enjoy these characters Mm. makes me wonder yeah i don't know do we know any 16 year olds no (laughs) (laughs) you get some insight no i guess that's kind of the thing for all teenage movies that we because we're like 29 year old (laughs) females on the internet we may feel very differently to all these movies are specifically targeted at young females like Mm. so maybe even younger than 16 you know we're talking about like the kissing booth we're talking about you know after Fifty Shades of Grey, Twilight, all that sort, of, all that sort of stuff. Like it's targeted very young teenage minds. I don't know. Would we feel differently? My question. I guess we'll never know. We'll never know. <laughs> yeah. It's also really funny in the movie. They've clearly orchestrated like, oh, we want them to have sex here and like have sex here, mm-hmm. and, like, the bed and then the hot tub. He's just at the gym working out, and then she mm-hmm. comes in and it gets steamy, I guess. And he just like reaches yeah. into his pocket. He has like a condom. It's not even in his bag. It's just while he was at the gym working out, it was just in his pocket. He's always always ready. He's just ready for safe sex all the time. I mean, Love yeah, that. that's the thing. Like. A plus for like safe sex representation, like, you know, show them using protection. But it's just so funny that he just like leaned over and was like, I'm ready, even <laughs> at the gym. But I'm like trying to see what else he's been in as well. It doesn't look like that either of them have been in, in many other Wait, They movies. haven't like really, yeah, used this to catapult them into other roles. But they must also be quite young. Mm, maybe. I don't think the guy is a very good actor, to be honest. Okay, fair. I'm sorry, Hero. You have a great name. Oh, my God. Okay, so speaking of (gasps) Harry Potter. Oh, my God, the great transition. (laughs) (laughs) So, Harden, his name is Hero Fiennes Tiffin. He's an English actor. Say his full name. 
Are you on his Wikipedia page? There's a very fancy British name. Oh, gosh. Hero Beauregard Faulkner Fiennes Tiffin. I feel like that name. sounds wrong. We'll never know. <laughs> oh, he's only 23. He's quite young. He's still got time to sort of do other stuff. That's fine. But yeah, so he was in Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince and he played a young Tom Riddle. I see that. I really see that for him. What, by looking at his face? Yeah. <laughs> That he could be a Tom Riddle. <laughs> Based on my perceptions of what Tom Riddle look like and yeah. are like, this is what Tom Riddle looks like. <laughs> Seems like he's like, oh, he's related to Ralph. Ra- oh, I'm pronouncing his name wrong. Ralph Fiennes. Oh, it's Fiennes. Okay. Yeah. okay. Oh, he's so- related to him. Oh, he, so he comes, oh, he's like a nepotism hire. I'm going to say it. Uh, <laughs> I like, oh, my nephew's a great actor. Yeah. He played um, Tom Riddle. He's perfect for this Harry Styles fan fiction. Oh, he's from a really, like, very oh, his well family. family. Yeah. It's all his uncles are famous. Yeah. That's crazy. I'm sorry the talent didn't follow through. Well, maybe he'll find this his role. <laughs> yeah, maybe he'll find his footing in another role. Like, I, I, I kind of want that for him because mm. I don't want this to be your defining role. Like, that's not great, I would say. Anyway, don't watch after. Okay, that's fine. I wasn't going to. <laughs> I'm trying to stop you. I'm like, no, Alice. I'm holding oh, you back. I'm like, please don't. <laughs> I just want to press play. That's fine. I wasn't yeah. going to watch them. And this is basically reconfirming that I don't want to watch them because I probably won't like it and I'll think I'll be wasting my time. Yeah. But yeah, since we said Harry Potter, Harry Potter. Harry so- Potter. <laughs> We are going to talk about the first movie, which is Harry Potter and Philosopher's Stone or Sorcerer's Stone if you're in the US. Apparently, the reason why they they changed their name to Sorcerer's Stone in the US was because the publishers, who were scholastic, didn't think that kids in the US would want to read a book that has the word philosopher in it. So they changed it to Sorcerer's Stone. Why? Because it's like too complicated? I don't know. I didn't look into it that far. But it's just like, yeah, they're just like, nah, people don't want to read that. Okay, fair so enough. So they changed it to Sorcerer's Stone, which is... Which is fine. I think neither here nor there. Same, same. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, like in the movie, they had to refilm any time they said Sorcerer's Stone or Philosopher's oh, Stone. They had to do those scenes twice. Not just the title. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's funny. Like the movie as well. So, yeah, but interesting. But yeah, I, I just wanted to uh, ask you about Harry Potter in general because mm-hmm. Harry Potter is such a formidable force. And I think specifically in our lives, it that like all the books were coming out so when we were in high school the last book actually came out Mm. did you read the book yes so I think I was a big fan started reading it in primary school because that's when it like Mm. started coming out and then yeah was like obsessive over it I remember every time the next book came was going to come out like going with my mom to Dimmick's pre-ordering it (laughs) the day of release going there picking up the book and being like okay today I'm just gonna read the book and then when the movies came out same kind of thing like always watching it day of release getting very hyped for it getting very swept up in it big fan okay great because I I was exactly the same like I started reading them in in primary school and I loved the series so much and then yeah when all the new books were coming out I would put in pre-orders as well (laughs) gonna secure my copy of Harry Potter the last book that came out, I remember very distinctly because 
we pre-ordered it and it was me and my brother and we could only buy one copy. So he oh. finished reading it because he was a faster reader. Um, he, <laughs> he read he read it and then he passed it on to me. And I remember I spent the whole night trying to finish it because I was so afraid that someone at school the next day would ruin it for me because yeah. it's like it was just that popular. Like everyone was talking about it. And it's crazy because it's like a book. Like we don't do that sort of thing anymore. Yeah. I really don't feel that like that's a thing anymore that we like everyone's collectively excited about a book but I don't know are we just like sitting in the wrong circles people around us just don't read as much I don't know like I think there's not there hasn't been the next Harry Potter something so Mm -hmm. big that it's not just like a specific audience but really general like a wide-reaching audience kind of obsessing over the next release date the way we did for Harry Potter. I think it really like for us, it was probably even more present because the books were sort of released at our own, like it was sort of like we grew up with Harry Potter. Mm. I really did feel like that. Um, So when we were like at the end of high school, Harry was also like finishing up his last year in Hogwarts. <laughs> and I totally think that's why our generation resonates with it so much because we like you said, grew up with the characters. Um, and as they were, you know, going through more mature things, more adult things, we were sort of like following that same path. So it didn't feel like you were hanging on to like a children's book in a way, like they slowly yeah. became darker and more mature. Yeah, 100%. And you can see that in the movies, the progression, like every single beginning scene with the Warner Brothers, like symbol, like progressively gets like darker mm. every, every movie. But I would say number one and maybe number four probably my favorite book number one because it establishes mm. this world and it's so, like magical we get to see like hogwarts for the first time with harry and explore like the wizarding world and stuff and i think number four only because that triwizard cup was pretty fun because mm. <laughs> i think that's sort of like the last time that we get to see hogwarts as like a school or like as like a fun school thing like rather than like in the later books where we see hogwarts just as, like, as this like place for an impending war i guess and like more violence and stuff whereas like number four we still have like really fun like everyone's still bantering and just like playing quidditch and stuff like that <laughs> like it's all still like it's like on the cusp of being of getting to that dark side mm. <laughs> where everyone's like very fearful but yeah what's your favorite book i think philosopher's stone i really liked prisoner of azkaban and then i also oh, yeah. really really liked goblet of fire yeah, those are my three favorite yeah on oh, the prisoner of azkaban i always that i always forget about that one but that one's also really good mm. and i think really establishes like an important part of harry's life with Sirius black like that whole story yeah on like TikTok, the mm-hmm. Zoomers make fun of millennials for liking Harry Potter so much. Like it's chuggy. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> it's like they make fun of like, oh, you're probably like a millennial who thinks they're still in Gryffindor or something. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, people in Gen Z and whatever generations are under us are going to think everything we do is chuggy or like not cool anymore. Like I can't even have a side part and drink coffee without feeling like I'm old anymore. But it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. Do, yeah. And do you remember when the movies came out? Because I have a very distinct memory of the philosophers. The philosophers. Philosophers. <laughs> <laughs> maybe philosopher's stone like, also it was easy to say yeah <laughs> coming out and someone I don't know if you worked at Greater Union in Parramatta back me up on this but I mm-hmm. distinctly remember my mom and my mom taking me to the movie and they mm-hmm. had sold more tickets than they had seats because crazy. it was like so in demand <laughs> and we just yeah. sat on you know like the stairs on the aisle at the cinema mm-hmm. we sat there and watched the movie that's crazy that you would actually 
do that though. Yeah, I feel but it was like- more we didn't know because they just kept selling tickets and we got in, all the seats were taken. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that was um, pre seats, pre allocated seating. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I think that wouldn't happen now. I would hope not anyway. But then that's actually like so crazy that everyone rushed to the cinema yeah, to, like, to watch it. I actually, so my first experience with this, with this series, so the primary school that I went to, they booked the whole cinema, like a oh theater. God the whole center but they booked like one yeah. theater room and they were basically like we reserve this room for like anyone in the school who wants to uh, watch this movie so you pay like ten dollars or something it's kind of like an unofficial school excursion, excursion. Sort of thing. Yeah. So, like I went with my mom and then we booked and everyone in that room was like from my primary school but like that's how mm-hmm. big it was that the PNC that's were like crazy. we're gonna organize this for the kids yeah, that was, it was really cool. And I think the price was maybe better than if we had bought it like separately. So like obviously I was just like, we have to go like, <laughs> mom, <laughs> mom, please <laughs> sign this permission slip and give me $10. Kudos to my mom. She like does not really like movies, but she watched a lot of things with me. Oh my God, 100% my mom is all like, I just think of all the movies she had to endure. Yeah, <laughs> she's probably like, "What the fuck is this shit?" Just sitting there for two and a half hours, <laughs> just sitting there. And that's the thing: this movie is like quite long. It's as so well. long, right? <laughs> yeah. I looked at the runtime. I was like, "Oh, okay. I might have started this a bit late." For us, it's like it feels not that long because we know what's happening, and it all feels like warranted. Like, mm. of course, it's two and a half hours. There's so much. We need this space to explain the game of Quidditch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly but like you know for my mom who like does not give two hoots about Car- like harry potter or anything she wasted two and a half hours of her life essentially <laughs> and ten dollars or twenty dollars twenty dollars let's let's not beat around the bush she did pay for me i was like yeah. nine <laughs> yeah yeah it like swept the world like it was crazy it, it was, was everywhere really crazy yeah we went to movie world in queensland and there was like mm. a harry potter and I bought like so much merchandise in there because I was so excited. I loved Harry Potter so much. I had like a Harry Potter letter set. I had like pens and then you can buy like Ed Birdie Bots, Every Flavor Bean mm. and that sort of thing. It was really exciting. And then actually a few years ago, I went to Japan and I was very, very intent on going to Universal Studios to go Harry Potter World. This is just like a few years ago as well. Like it's pretty fairly recent. And I was just like, mm. I have to go to Harry Potter World. Like I've never been before. I was just like must do in Japan is go to Harry Potter world (laughs) like kind of fulfilling childhood fantasy I guess Mm. yeah I think a lot of us you know when like fans of Harry Potter like as a kid we're always like oh imagine if I got that letter from Hogwarts when I turned 11 like had that dream I also went to Harry Potter world um the one in Orlando just it was like so magical seeing everything come to life and be real yeah. and in front of you. And yeah. I, I also bought the Birdie Bots every favorite beans. I had the yeah. chocolate frog. Like it was all very yeah. intense. Yeah. Which like I think the Betty Bots every flavor beans are actually the most disappointing because they're yeah. actually kind of disgusting. Yeah, like I don't want to <laughs> eat them. Yeah, because I think I had one bad one and I was like, that's enough. Like I don't yeah. want to eat anymore because this is actually like gross. But would you say What's your um, attitude to Harry Potter now? I would say I still enjoy. I still enjoy the movies. Like I would definitely rewatch the whole series again. The books I haven't really touched. I would say the legacy of Harry Potter has sort of been tarnished by J.K. Rowling herself. That's what I was getting to. Yes, yeah. um, unfortunately, uh, you know, I'm gonna say it here. I have no time for her turfy nonsense. She's anti-trans, <laughs> and 
she has to yeah. get that in her head. But I also think like stuff like the um the Fantastic Beast movies just haven't grabbed me. Like I'm not interested in them. I think I watched the first one and I was like all for it until the end where it was revealed that Johnny Depp was the Grindelwald, and I was like, ah, this isn't it. This- <laughs> I think I don't know why. You have beautiful Colin Farrell there. I could be looking at more Colin Farrell. You had a really good casting, and then you turn it into worse casting for what? Like I don't. Yeah, for what? Like, I was just like, I'm not here for this. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I just like even the movie on its own just didn't grab mm-hmm. me. And I was like, I even had the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them mm-hmm. that was released as like a little textbook. I had I had all the subsequent or like supplementary mm-hmm. Harry Potter material. I had like mm-hmm. trivia notebooks. I think, yeah, we both would have read The Cursed Child. Yeah. But it just, I think, has like sort of fallen off for me where it's more like yeah. a really um, nostalgic childhood memory. And I really love what it meant for me as a kid and like growing up together with Harry mm-hmm. and his friends and watching all the movies. But I think the extra materials, I'm like, yeah, not that keen on. Yeah, even though she's built this whole world, which is really great, like everything's been built up as a lot of lore and history that surrounds it. All the stories that have kind of come out after it, I think you sort of just want to leave it with Harry and his friends. You don't want to explore before or after too much because mm. it does actually make it, I don't know, not as good and it's not as interesting. Mm. Well, not it hasn't been like that Harry Potter. Yeah, level, it's I never guess. really like reached that pinnacle. And I wonder yeah. if it's just because we've all grown up. We're <laughs> <laughs> big kids now. Like the target audience for Harry Potter mm. have just sort of grown up and we're just like happy to, yeah, as you say, leave it as a childhood memory, like something mm. that we all grew up with and like look at very fondly and still really enjoy and even want to like you know still go to like harry potter land and stuff but not necessarily go and explore more of it Mm. which is sort of a weird thing because like you know we have other franchises like star wars and stuff where you're like we're happy to take more Mm. i don't know what it is i i don't know no yeah and again with jk rowling like if she had said nothing i would be much more happy (laughs) what she had to do was like revel in her millions and stay quiet but she just Mm. loves twitter too much yeah yeah i think like let the fans speak themselves for themselves because the fans themselves were were creating content like you know Mm. creating aforementioned fan fictions you know clubs there was a whole community of people who like really really love these stories there wasn't much you had to do again (laughs) and do you think they will remake harry potter the movies Oh God, I really hope not. But that this is something I really, really fear because I think when the cast was first announced, I think as a child, I was sort of disappointed, I think, because in my head, what I had read in the books was really, really vivid because when you read, you sort of like imagine things and stuff like that. So when I saw who had been casted as Harry, Ron and Hermione, I was like, this isn't really who I imagined, Mm. to be honest. But I mean, now I can't see it as anything but them. Yeah, I think when we're like 40 or 50, I think that's when they'll start remaking it. Do you reckon? For the next generation of kids. Yeah, so I mean, they've already... Yeah, surely. They've got to kind of keep the momentum going. Yeah, it's a very expensive piece of IP, so... That's true. Yeah, and they've built like whole like theme parks, so surely you need to keep the customers coming, right? Yeah, maybe they'll do The Cursed Child as a... I don't know, maybe they'll just create more stories based on the world rather than... I really hope they don't touch the original Harry Potter, but I think it is really hard to separate the world from Harry. Like yeah. they kind of go in rather than this is a world that kind of stands alone on itself. And I think Harry Potter was like a really sort of unique example of a film franchise being completed in a really satisfying way. 
And I think we Mm -hmm. haven't seen that probably until maybe like something similar to the Marvel Cinematic Universe where we've had like a set cast and they've all stayed throughout the whole movie. You know, we had the main trio or the actors mainly staying the same. No one went off the rails and like got cancelled or something, you know, had to leave the production. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's just a very unique set of circumstances where for the most part, I think they portrayed the books in a satisfactory way. Yeah. Yeah. the films are a pretty authentic representation of the books obviously it's not going to be like word for word that's really difficult to do especially when you're adapting something that's like a novel um Mm. you have to make changes here and there and cut things out just to make it fit into an appropriate screen time yeah Yeah, you're right like i mean it was what are they eight movies do that over eight movies yeah so the, there's seven books and then the last book was split into two movies because it's just there was a lot to cover. I think the only cast change they would have had was Dumbledore because yeah, the actor passed he died. away. You can't help you can do about that. Yeah. He was already like 90. And I think everyone else, yeah, staying in the cast, especially the main cast. So you mm. really do see grow up throughout the movies as well, which is like akin to the experience of the kids yeah because I think it was filmed over a span of I want to say like 10 10 years or mm. 10 to 15 years I can't remember the top of my head but yeah it's quite a while so like I it's think quite it, a yeah. feat I think that they yeah. managed to pull off oh, yeah like this movies these movies would have cost like a fortune to make like the CGI made them a fortune. <laughs> yeah, it, it really did yeah it's actually crazy but I mean, I really loved Harry Potter, especially at this period of time when this movie came out. Like, I, I think some of it is also just because of the way that it's set. It's sort of set in like in the real world, where mm. like you know, there's a magical world that exists right underneath our noses. Yeah, I think there's a whole aspect to it as well. We're like, oh, what if? <laughs> what if I could get in? Yeah, what if suddenly Hermione could get in? Her parents are muggles. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Maybe I'm a little witch. Yeah, some examples of like, you know, people who uh, just find out that they have powers and then yeah. get invited to Hogwarts. That'd be lovely. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Yeah. yeah. And I guess like, because like Harry Potter sort of like stayed with me because it was such a big part of my year. So when I went to, I actually went to Edinburgh a few years ago as well. Mm. I actually went to the Elephant House Cafe, which is supposedly oh, where Jake she wrote it. Yes, but I think she only wrote like parts of the story there. And the bathroom in there is like, like it's absolutely insane. It's like graffiti from like, like wall to the ceiling basically of like Harry Potter fans writing like random messages about how much they love Harry Potter and stuff like that. Like it's actually like pretty insane. And then we also went to Greyfriars Hook which is mm-hmm. a graveyard in Edinburgh, which apparently J.K. Rowling spent a lot of time in there. Apparently in Scotland, it's not weird to hang out in graveyards. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Never hung out in a graveyard. <laughs> yeah, like I, I've, I've only been to a graveyard like once and it wasn't to hang out, let me tell you. <laughs> not to chill. Um, and so she did spend some time in there and it's a pretty nice one. Like there's lots of like there's gardens and stuff like that. And actually it's where she was inspired by the name like Tom Riddle. I also had the um, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone game on my Game Boy Advance. Oh, I was going to say, I have the games on PC. Yeah, it was a very bad game, slash I was really (laughs) bad at it. And I remember at one stage, like very early on in the game, the mission is to get to Hagrid's hut and I could never find it. And then I just stopped playing it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I had the computer games and I very vividly like remembered you had to like trace the spells. So you're like... on the screen you use your mouse to like trace the spell and then like unlock a door or something like that that was really fun I think I did actually finish 
at least one of them. And then also there was a mobile game that came out maybe like five-ish years ago or something like that, mm-hmm. and I played that as well. So I don't know, just intermittently, I just get excited by Harry Potter because I think it is just it is fun. Like, it's a story that we all know. It's established in terms of, like, the look and feel and also, like, the spells and stuff. We're all kind of, like, mm-hmm. familiar with it. This is going to make us sound really chuggy, but, like, what house are you? <laughs> I was literally going to ask you this question. <laughs> I know your house. Yeah. I know you're a Slytherin. <laughs> Slytherin, according to Pottermore. <laughs> Wait, I did write this down. So Slytherin. This is like me reading out your horoscope, right? (laughs) Tell me who I am. (laughs) Slytherin is the house of the snake. Your colors are green and silver and you value leadership, ambition, self-preservation, cunning and resourcefulness and you you value pride. Mm. So the kind of person you'd expect a Slytherin person to be is you think reputation is important and you take pride in appearance and don't let anyone, don't let anyone see your soft side. So Mm. fun fact, Ellen was a Slytherin. Wait, who? Merlin. The wizard. Oh, Merlin. <laughs> the Merlin. The Merlin. The Merlin. He took the test? Apparently he was a wizard. I think it's referenced in a book that Merlin was a Okay. <laughs> the Merlin. The capital M Merlin. <laughs> I think it's important to say also that I think in the book, Hagrid says there's not a bad person who went bad that wasn't in Slytherin. Mm. I think that's a pretty important thing, but to say, and I think it's one of those things that I've only realized in like my adult years that Slytherin isn't that bad. Yeah. I don't know why. I was really, I think through these Harry Potter books has been, have been really like conditioned to think Slytherin is really bad. Yeah. But yeah. I know it's not bad because, you know, you can have all these traits that I've just said and be a really good person. In fact, these are all really good qualities of a leader, right? Like yeah. someone who is ambitious and is resourceful and maybe a little bit cunning. Sounds like a great Get leader to me. <laughs> exactly. So now you reveal your house and do your oh. own reading because it looks like you've got it brought up on there, your iPad. <laughs> I am a Hufflepuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the animal is a badger, the colours are black and yellow, and the qualities of a Hufflepuff person are trustworthy, hardworking, patient, fair, value, justice, loyalty, and are quite modest. Sounds like my horoscope, which is a Libra. Oh, and fun fact, they have produced the fewest dark witches and wizards. So you're just like super good. It's like the best. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess like when we talk about these houses, they're based on the founding fathers. Do we call them yeah. founding fathers? It sounds so weird. It sounds yeah, like anyway. the founding members. Yeah, <laughs> the founding members of Hogwarts, which are Godric Gryffindor, Helga Hufflepuff, Rowena Ravenclaw, mm. and Salazar. And so the story yeah. goes that these four people, very intelligent, they founded Hogwarts as a school to like teach fellow young wizards and witches and stuff like that. And then Salazar Slytherin wanted to keep all the newbies like full-blooded wizards mm, and pure-blooded wizards or something. Yeah, and then I guess. Gryffindor was his main opponent in this and being like, why? This is silly. And then so tells us that they were just like, left. And we were like, hey. <laughs> this is left. <laughs> um, this is too much for me. <laughs> like, I don't agree with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so apparently Helga Hufflepuff was the most inclusive of all. Oh, she's an ally. <laughs> she was the most inclusive of all the, the um, founders because basically she was just like, Anyone can join the house. So I guess uh, Slytherin likes people who are cunning and... Gryffindor's like brave, Ravenclaw is smart. 
So Hufflepuff is like miscellaneous. Hufflepuff basically <laughs> was just like, it's fine. You have a home here. Yeah. So like, I think they had like a really bad rep for just producing people who weren't very good, but it's just because they took in everyone. So yeah, yeah. potentially they had people that weren't very good or weren't very special, but it's because she's just like, yeah, that's okay. You still get an education. <laughs> yeah, everyone has a home here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel very strongly about this because I am a fellow Hufflepuff, but like, you know, a Helga. <laughs> She's a Helga stan. <laughs> but yeah, so the sorting hat, which we will discuss later, I'm sure. Mm. But apparently he was, it was owned by Gryffindor. And um. he basically, basically all of them actually enchanted this hat so that it could sort students according to the values that they value the most. I think that's mm. important. Not who they are currently, but mm. what they value. This is important. Mm. <laughs> Even if they like, aren't brave, they like really want to be brave. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. That makes sense according to a certain it's... person I have in my mind. So we'll, we'll take the, yeah. we'll discuss that later. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just like a very nostalgic memory for me. I think it's like entirely valid for some people to not want to engage with it anymore, given mm-hmm. JK Rowling's awfulness. And I think some mm. people are like, oh, what's the difference? Like there's all this media that like have been produced by terrible people. But I think the difference is like she's still alive and she's mm. still out there spreading her nonsense with a lot of influence and she has a lot of like share of voice and stuff like that. So that's a difference. And I think that's mm. a very complicated decision. I don't think we should like question people, like try to pick apart mm. their argument. And I think it's complicated for me because it's just, it's such a big part of my childhood. Like, yeah. I, it's like a chunk of my childhood yeah. that I just, yeah, it's just such a big part of it. <laughs> yeah, I think we can appreciate it for what it is. Like mm. it was, we can still like it, but maybe just, yeah, not choose to engage in like further mm. activities maybe. It's sort yeah. of hard, isn't it? Yeah. Even the movies, it was like this every July sort of thing, this moment. I remember like on my 19th birthday, was it the last one had come out and I had booked to see it? But then I was like a bit sick and the doctor was like, no, you have to be admitted. And I was like, oh, can I go watch the movie and come back tomorrow? And he was like, (laughs) I was like, I have tickets to Harry Potter. Can I just like watch the movie and come back tomorrow? And he was like, I don't think you understand what I'm saying. (laughs) You're quite sick and I like need you to be admitted right now. now. (laughs) (laughs) It was probably this stupid girl. (laughs) She's clearly a teen. Yeah. She's got to get her priorities right, right? <laughs> he was just like, um, like, you know, like I really prefer yeah. you to Goodness go in today. Like tomorrow's the weekend. I don't want you, like there'll be less doctors around. So today's really, you know, please. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I guess I can't watch Harry Potter. <laughs> like it's the last movie though. And this is before streaming. So she would yeah. have to wait. <laughs> it's not like someone could have like brought me a, a laptop with Netflix. God, would have been, that would have been easy, an easy mm. fix. <laughs> and then I remember while I was in there, like in the hospital just to like pass time, my parents brought some books for me and one of the books was Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. So I was oh, reading it sweet. and the lady in the bed opposite me saw me reading it and she mm-hmm. like, one day my mom was like visiting and she like called my mom over and like spoke to her and my mom was like to me, oh, she just warned me that you're reading like a really bad book and that it will taint your mind. <laughs> like it's about bad she, things. Is she older? Yeah, she was like much older. Okay. That's so funny. I have actually a really similar story to this. So in year seven, um, one of our math classes, someone had mentioned Harry Potter and we were all like just talking about it, like just casually. And the math teacher was like, that book is bad. It's about witches and like witchcraft and stuff. <laughs> and we all started Laugh. being like, 
yeah well we all laugh and we're just like what the hell like that's ridiculous (laughs) it's just a book like no harm done right it's children's literally a children's book um but she was like very very serious about this and i think who was it oh miss i forget her name but she was asian there's only one uh yeah the math teacher yeah, yeah, I know her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was, I would say, extremely religious. I guess. Mm, yeah, because I do remember yeah. there being like religious backlash against Harry Potter and being like, oh, yeah. I mean, and- yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, witchcraft and wizardry, it's not a new thing. Yeah, J.K. Rowling did not invent. Did not invent <laughs> this whole thing. She just simply made it mainstream. I think when at that time that I heard it, I was like, that is absolutely crazy. Like, what are you why? like? Like having read the book and also like loving the book, I'm like, there's nothing about this that makes me think, I don't know, that wizards are actually real. Like, <laughs> like this is clearly fiction. Like, it's yeah. extremely fictional. What do you mean? <laughs> I, and I don't agree with her point of view, of course, but I think now that when I think about that memory I'm a little bit more sympathetic of her not because she thinks of this thing which I think is still ridiculous but I think Mm. just the fact that she had 30 13 year olds laugh at her (laughs) I think (laughs) makes me feel a little bit bad oh my god and yeah we could be brutal to the teachers yeah I just like feel bad for her but only because she got laughed at and got teased by like a bunch of 13 year olds which are like I'm sure is a horrible thing to have experienced (laughs) sounds like the consequences of her actions to be (laughs) yeah sounds like she voiced her opinion and it was unpopular yeah I mean sorry that's what you (laughs) she stuck to the guns though she didn't back down and was like yeah Mm. you guys are right fine (laughs) she was very adamantly like this is not good yeah that's so funny yeah hospital lady was like so concerned for me like I was just gonna Go all dark side on her. Well, maybe she was scared you're gonna like hex her or something. Oh, maybe. <laughs> like in the middle of the night, just her, like a cadaver or something like that. Yeah, just curse me. <laughs> um, look, the first movie, number one, numero uno, two thousand and one, two thousand and one. It made a huge amount of money. It made so much money, <laughs> and I think it's also worth noting that this is remember this is two thousand and one, so it made a lot of money at this period of time Mm. because now when I try to look up the movies that made the most money it's like number 20 but Mm. in like a billion dollars that's pretty worldwide (laughs) a lot of money yeah a lot of money but now when we see like movies that are like considered big successes so like all the Marvel movies and then even the like Lord of the Rings movies that came afterwards they all made more money which you Mm. can it's like an insane amount of money (laughs) 2001 was like this is huge huge so it was it had a budget of 125 million and made over 1 billion dollars so good job I guess go JK yeah go Warner Brothers how much money did she get she only got like a million dollars or something I think she's always been like very strict on like all terms of all types of contracts where she continues to like get residuals and stuff. Royalties and yeah, smart businesswoman. This one, yeah. If only she could be smarter on Twitter as well. Everyone has their flaws, I suppose. (laughs) She just likes to air it out on the internet. Yes, but yeah, the first one you watched it as a informal school excursion. I was crammed into a cinema sitting on the (laughs) aisle. Did you like it? (laughs) Okay, so I think when I first watched it, because I was such an avid fan, I had probably read the book like, you know, five times or something Mm. at this point. I found a lot of flaws in the movie, (laughs) which to me, I think at that point in time, flaws meant it didn't accurately represent the book. Like there were like, it was 100% the book. Yeah, it was 100% true. Yeah. I think at that point in time, that that was how I felt. 
did I enjoy it? I definitely still enjoyed it. But I was mm. just like, oh, but they didn't put this in and they didn't put this in. And now when I watch it now, I, like, I can't even tell you. I can only remember one thing that they missed out or, like, you know, a couple of things that they mm. missed out on because those things almost don't matter anymore in the whole sphere of Harry Potter story. Yeah. Like it's just so insignificant. And then when I look at it now, I'm like, yeah, like we don't need all those extra little bits. The movie itself is still really well done. I think I really liked it the first time I watched it. And I think subsequent Mm -hmm. viewings, I felt the same. I think as an adult, you kind of look at the kids acting now and you're like, oh, that's cute. They're really trying. (laughs) Yeah, they're so cute. (laughs) Yeah. But there are some like sort of emotional scenes where you're like, oh, they're really giving it a red hot go. But that's cute. They're (laughs) trying. (laughs) But I think I still really appreciate the casting. Like you said, I really, really appreciate the set design. I think mm-hmm. it's just so magical the way they brought Hogwarts to life, like the scenes mm-hmm. of the Great Hall and everything. Yeah. Just so well done. And I think it just like, yeah, it really translates the spirit of the book mm-hmm. really well onto the screen. Like it's a pretty faithful adaptation. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Like all the scenes we get of like Diagon Alley in the Great Hall, as mm-hmm. you said, I think all of those were sort of on par or better than what I had hoped they would mm-hmm. be. Even when I was a child and having, you know, read the descriptions over and over again, I think they really did translate that onto the screen really, really well. And I just like, that wasn't even a thing. Like it was just a, yes, this is what I thought it would be. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. So I guess we start the movie. Dumbledore is walking down. Privet Drive does the iconic <laughs> lighter light, you know, turning light. off the flicking the lighter scene. And then he's delivering poor little baby Harry Potter to the Dursleys. A wee little butter with you. a little scar on his head. The boy who lived. <laughs> And then you see his life with the Dursleys. And this scene mm-hmm. I loved because it's like one of the iconic ones where Dudley's like, how many are there for the present? Oh my God. <laughs> I love this scene. 36. 36. <laughs> Last year there were 37. <laughs> and then you see like his parents, Vernon and Armatinia. You see exactly the kind of relationship that they have with Dudley and they just like fawn over him and they're like, oh, don't worry, we'll buy, another, we'll buy another two presents at the zoo later. Yeah. Um, and then we see Harry and where he stands in the family as well, which is not very significant at all. I think he's essentially another help. Like, he yeah, just, like the seventh like, boy. Yeah, you save him, like, serving breakfast and that mm. kind of thing. Dressed really raggedly. And, and he's so small as well in the stage. Such a just, tiny little Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> he looks extremely small. Mm. <laughs> and then we get to see the zoo scene, which I think when you first read the book, you're kind of like, oh, he can talk to snakes. That's kind of weird. <laughs> You just think it's like, oh, it's part of his magic or something. Yeah, you think it's just sort of alluding to the magic world, not Mm. like that it's a specific part that's like going to be like a major plot point. Mm. Parcel tongue. Yeah, parcel tongue. (laughs) Yeah. It's so funny because the snake is like, oh, do you live here? What was Burma like? And the snake points to the sign that says bread in captivity. And I'm like, can this snake read English or something? Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, it probably can. Or maybe just, I I mean, you get the idea that probably like understands. I mean, it's probably just observant, to be honest. (laughs) Okay. Just learned the alphabet. (laughs) Yeah. And then probably just learned that this means everything. Like, you know, this sign means. Oh, all about me. Yeah. (laughs) Story time my life. <laughs> I mean, are we really going to get into nitty gritty? <laughs> Is this real? How did this snake read English? <laughs> Ten things wrong with Harry Potter. <laughs> Cinema you know, sins. 
Yeah, in like a movie about magic. <laughs> I really got to talk about oh. the snake not being able to read English. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we get into the scene and then you see Harry talking to the snake and you're like, okay, this is this is him speaking parcel tongue. And then we have Harry kind of like plotting with the snake <laughs> in a way, like unintentionally plotting mm. for him to escape. So he sort of like is able to escape and then somehow also manages to get Dudley into the cage as well which is such a comical scene um and he totally deserves it to be honest because Dudley is a brat with a capital B (laughs) (laughs) he's a monster and he's a monster monster. who was raised by monsters and had no choice but to become a monster I think basically that he's in the glass and he's like mommy mommy (laughs) (laughs) oh great it's a great setup this scene is like very it's comical but it also like establishes the sort of world that harry lives in what he's had to put up with for the past 11 years of his life living under the stairs oh boy this poor boy (laughs) but i guess good things are happening because the letters start coming in the only thing is that uncle vernon won't let him read it and then what does he get in return more letters more letters (laughs) the letters do not stop and i think this is a scene like you know the one where he's like there's no post on Sundays and then the yeah. letters start raining in and Harry's yeah. jumping trying to catch a letter that was like the iconic yeah. scene that was on every single ad on TV it was everywhere and I think that's everyone every child was like I want to be that kid like I want to yeah. be the letter to Hogwarts <laughs> it's funny too because Vernon and Aunt Petunia they clearly know that this is a world that exists with magic mm. and yet they try so hard in the most oh. human Huggle way to stop like this mail from coming. So they bought up the mailbox. They like they think that the owls aren't going to deliver it on a Sunday or something. Yeah, like things like that. And then eventually, I think they get fed up and they like go to an island, like in the middle of the thing. I think that this will stop the mail from coming, but alas, I'm sorry, it's not. It's not going to happen. <laughs> there's a the letter hand delivered by. None other than Hagrid himself with his huge frame because he is like a half giant. He's like humongous and he's very like intimidating because mm. I guess he's just so large. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the casting was done really well for Hagrid. Yeah. He truly embodies what I like imagined in my head. Like the soft giant. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say like a big friendly giant. Like that's yeah. sort of the character. Plays right, he's very intimidating to look at, and he's humongous, but he's actually like the softest man in the world. And then, yeah, so he finds himself like in this I think he goes by boat <laughs> with his pink yeah. umbrella. Yeah, he has, yeah, he has like his little umbrella thing. He comes to the island and he's like just sort of lets himself in. <laughs> yeah, he well, he beats the door down. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, and he gives Harry his letter, a little yeah. birthday cake that says happy. happy. Birthday, <laughs> Harry, and he's like the iconic line: "You're a wizard, Harry." I'm a what? <laughs> a wizard. <laughs> oh my god! And then yeah, you find out that the Dursleys knew about it. His aunt Petunia's sister Lily was a witch, and she was like really jealous of her, and just they just hate magic. And honestly, like they hate Harry so much. Wouldn't you rather send him to the school so you don't have to deal with him for most of the year? I would have thought. Isn't it like harder to just? keep him around yeah and feel <laughs> with him. they really really don't want him around like they hate it's, him yeah it's a weird thing but i think it's also just like their pride being like we don't want to even acknowledge that this mm. magic exists and it's sort of a weird thing because of like it clearly does and it's actually more powerful than they could ever be so it's like why fight it yeah what <laughs> are you gonna do point? like live on this island forever yeah with this boy <laughs> where he spontaneously will like erupt if anything happens you know like so in the first scene where we see like Dudley he goes into that 
snake cage thing. Mm. Like Uncle Vernon please, like, no funny business. So he knows what Carrie is capable of. Yeah. And he chooses to ignore it. <laughs> Just, like, send him away, honestly. This yeah. school wants to have him. Maybe they want to pay for him, but as we find out, that's not a problem. Oh, um, no, because <laughs> when they go to Diagon Alley, Harry Potter is coincidentally fucking loaded. Yeah, thank <laughs> you, mom and dad. Thanks, mom and dad. He's one of those trust fund kids. <laughs> He's yeah, going to he be like, like on the, um, you know, on the news article where they're like, how this 21-year-old bought five properties. You just have to save. And then in the first paragraph, Jonathan's father lent him $5 million. <laughs> That's Harry. <Yeah. laughs> so I guess Hagrid whisks him away. The Vernons, you know, they're not that happy with it, but what can they do realistically? Yeah. <laughs> and they are merely muggles. Well, he brandishes a gun and Hagrid's able to like twist it up. <laughs> Yeah, and then do? he and then doesn't he like turn Dudley into oh yeah a pig? like he gives him a pig's tail pig tail yeah, yeah. Like, a bit far but yeah like, come on what are they gonna it? do <laughs> <laughs> so yeah whisk Harry away and then they go off to do their school shopping because he's off to go to Hogwarts <gasps> a magical school of witchcraft and wizardry <gasps> and they go to Diagon Alley which if you've read the books you do the the tappy tappy thing tappy. on the wall <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then you enter this like magical lane of like oh. shop, like rows and rows of shop of like sweets, broomsticks, wands. You can get everything. Absolutely. Great. Everything magic. I love um, the set design for that scene. I think they so did a good. really good job. Yeah. So good. And they, yeah, they go to Gringotts and money from the goblins. And then there's also a secret package. That secret Ooh, Hogwarts business. What could it be? <laughs> Yeah, and while they're walking through, like, there's one kid whose only purpose in the movie is to say, wow, look at the Nimbus 2000. <laughs> and it's just like, whoa. And then whoa. Harry, who's never seen, like, any fancy broomstick in his life, is just like, sweet, looks good. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. before this, the first place that they go to before they go to Diagon Alley is actually a pub oh yeah I thought yeah, this yeah, was yeah. really funny when I because I'd forgotten this happened as well because Hagrid takes this 11 year old boy and the first thing he does is take him to a pub like <laughs> it's not really the first place you take a child and then all he wants to do is sort of show off Harry I thought it was like that's how you get to that brick wall is it you have to go through a pub which sounds ridiculous <laughs> it sounds a bit odd doesn't it <laughs> yeah surely there's another way surely yeah, yeah basically this is where Harry kind of like finally starts to understand how famous he is. That's true. Everyone's like, Harry Potter? Is that Harry? He's essentially been like a nobody for 11 years. Like he's just been like treated like dirt, kept under yeah. the cupboard for all his life. And then suddenly no, it's just a like, big celebrity. Yeah. And he meets Professor Quirrell, who's like at this point a stuttering mess, very anxious, yes. very high strong. Harry P -P Potter. <laughs> yeah and then they go to Diagon Alley he also like chooses his wand so he has that creepy encounter with Ollivander who's just like oh, this phoenix only gave what another tail to another one the one that gave you that scar it's like oh, mm. oh. and then of course Harry knows nothing about his past yeah so he of course asks Hagrid <laughs> about this so-called person who gave him the scar uh, and Hagrid is like calls him by he who must not be named right and then yeah. Harry's like that tells me nothing. Yeah, like any specifics <laughs> just, here. Just tell me his name. And then he's just like, just spell it. And then Hagrid's like, I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is like the funniest way of like having to introduce someone being like, I actually don't know how to spell it. So I just have to say it. He's like, this is Voldemort. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and how he's like Voldemort. <laughs> yeah, like it clearly means nothing to him. He has no yeah. context. He doesn't know who the hell this guy is and why yeah. you can't even say his name. He has no idea. Like he literally just found out that his parents did not die in a car accident, that he is actually part of this whole world that he didn't know about. There's someone really, really famous killed his parents and gave him a scar. Like he's really figuring out his like life story on this yeah. one day. Like he's an eleven year old boy. It's a lot to kind of unpick. It's a whole one eighty. He also gets yeah. the wig the owl here. Oh yeah, he gets a pet as well. So yeah, it's yeah. been it's been a day. <laughs> it's been a big day. <laughs> and then like Hagrid takes him to the train station and he's like here's your ticket go to platform nine and three quarters bye and he just like leaves him without even telling him how to get to the platform <laughs> like that's the least yeah. he could have done because like importantly there is no nine and three quarters <laughs> is it nine yeah. and there's, but there's no nine and three quarters i don't know why it's called nine and three quarters why is it not called nine, nine and, and a half, half. Because it's like right in between it's right in between yeah. i don't know maybe it's like leaning more towards the 10 and the nine. You know. Really sure. Yeah. But it's so like how is Harry supposed to figure out you're supposed to run into a brick wall and he yeah. like goes around the station like an idiot asking people, excuse me, where's platform nine and three quarters? And the guy's like, What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, and he has like an owl, owl. Like this little like eleven year old boy. He's very, very small and very, yeah. very lost. <laughs> I just think the least Haggard could have done is like tell him. Yeah. I mean Haggard I think just maybe put a lot of faith in him. Maybe he was busy. I don't know. <laughs> oh, too busy to just like tell him one extra detail. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe this is just where he meets Ron for the first oh, time. Oh, the whole Weasleys. <laughs> the whole Weasleys. So he overhears, I think, Molly Weasley talking to her kids. And then specifically, they're talking about like going to Hogwarts and the platform and the train. And then so he like asks them how to do it. And then she's like, oh, must be your first time. And she's so kind and loving and mm. open and shows him how to do it. Like, you know, best just to run and don't think about it. Just go for it. Run into this wall. It'll be <laughs> fine. At this wall. I know. <laughs> weird thing to do because I'm like if someone told me to just run into a wall I would probably not be fine <laughs> like, mm, no <laughs> you go first <Yeah. laughs> well he has seen I think Percy or someone run at the yeah. wall and like yeah. somehow not die <laughs> yeah just like sort of disappear into yeah something but yeah um this is where we meet the entire Weasley family so like Percy George and Fred the twins and then um also Ginny's there as a little girl um next to her mom and then there's also Ron, who will soon be his best friend. <laughs> so he's for life. <laughs> Ginny's first interaction, the little good luck. Little yeah. do you know you guys will end up married. Oof. Oof. <laughs> but yeah, on the train, he does bond with um, Ron. Like, they talk about um, their respective families. Ron is also very impressed that Harry has money. So like, Oh my God, yeah, that, I literally wrote that down. Like the first thing <laughs> Harry does is just flex his wealth. He's like, yeah. I'll buy everything on that trolley. <laughs> yeah. There's like no concept of money or wealth. <laughs> it's a very childlike thing to do when you're like, I have five dollars, so I'm gonna buy exactly five dollars worth of candy. Like that's exactly what I'm gonna spend do. it all. Yeah. Basically- I hope he learned how to budget so he doesn't blow through all <laughs> his parents' money. That's true, it's true. Yeah, so he has like these gold coins which has gone from Gringotts and then he just mm. like, yeah, buys this candy. And this is where we're also introduced to like Betty Bots, every mm. flavor beans, chocolate frog, I think cauldron cakes. Like there's a whole mm. bunch of like fictional candy that sounds all very amazing and this is like another favorite part of mine where we just get to see like the actual chocolate frog you know they're like leaping mm. everywhere 
and they have the wizard's cards and the birdie body and the and the picture and the card moves yeah yeah and then we're also now introduced to Hermione Granger cute little (laughs) Emma Watson she looks so cute and this is the movie but they got her hair right because in the book she's supposed to have really bushy untamable hair which throughout the course of the series eventually translates into beautiful wavy locks (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I actually did write that down like Hermione's hair in this one is like quite funny because it is quite true to the books as you say but it's also like the least realistic I think out of all the (laughs) hair that she has it's like very bushy Mm. and it's very thick which is exactly how JK Rowling describes it in her book but I think when you see in real life you're like that's that's a lot. <laughs> Hermione, just like from the get-go, she sounds so insufferable. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I've done spells. Like, yeah. Oh, God, oh you're relax. doing a spell? Shame me. I've done some before. Yeah. You've got dirt on your nose. Yeah. You, Oculus you, repairer. <laughs> you better put in your robes. We're coming to Hogwarts really soon. I'm just like, <laughs> girl, relax. Chill I know, out, but please. <laughs> but like, like in this one train scene, we so quickly establish exactly the kind of people that Ron, like the three Mine, and Harry all kind of play. So mm. Harry is kind of like the whatever, I will just do whatever pleases me at the moment. Ron is like always in awe. He's a little bit like dorky maybe. Mm. He has like this rat as a pet. <laughs> like, he's just Do we know it will of, become important later? Yeah, he has like an old wand and old robes mm. and stuff like that. Like he's just like sort of establishing his family history as well. And then you have Hermione who's kind of like bright eyed and a bit like bossy and stuff like that. So it's super cute. And I yeah. think throughout the series, they all have like, they're able to maintain that dynamic and like yeah. they're all very believable as, as their characters. Mm. 100%. And I think it has come out in later years that they actually are somewhat like their characters in some ways like Mm. the actual actors themselves I think there was one thing that I saw where it was like the actors had to write like a summary of their character or something as like Mm. an assignment and I think Harry wrote one page Ron forgot he had the assignment and then (laughs) Emma Watson as Hermione wrote like a whole essay (laughs) (laughs) yeah which is like very like reflective of like the people they were trying to portray. Mm. So I think in a lot of ways, maybe they did embody these characters in a way, like mm. through their personalities. Who knows? Who knows? You can only uh, speculate, yeah. I suppose. <laughs> like, I feel like you sort of don't have a choice when you're like, they literally grew up as well playing these characters, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. They were so immersed in it. Yeah. But yeah, from here, I think when we see this whole train, which is like the whole Gods Express, like very iconic red train. Mm, um, and iconic. you see it like going through like the, the countryside, um, mm. all the mountains and trees and stuff and then we see the Hogwarts castle (laughs) thank you for that iconic thing (laughs) thank you John Williams but yeah I think yeah it's just like so iconic just watch seeing the castle and all like shadowy and the candles it's pretty pretty magical I have Mm. to say like it's such a beautiful castle set in this beautiful like scenery the water um, yeah the water and everything like the castle itself looks absolutely amazing and then you have all like the students and the teachers and stuff like that. it's a very like you know it's not like much happening in the scene other than like establishing the setting but like mm. it's so important to this whole like series really like that they show all of this and i guess this is probably another reason why this movie runs for two two hours and 30 minutes it's because you know we have like five minutes of just showing the castle and stuff but like these are really important things to this world right like mm. the, you know this is where we're gonna see most of the action this is the probably the 
only time in the whole Harry Potter series where there's nothing wrong going on. We're like, this is purely just indulging in yeah, yeah. the scene and everything. So a non-problematic Harry Potter moment, basically. <laughs> and this is also the part where right before they go into Be Sorted, Harry meets Malfoy, who Ooh. has a whole jar of hair gel. His hair is just like helmeted onto oh, his head. Buddy. I'm like, how much of this? And throughout the whole movie, his hair is always in that same style. I'm like, how much did this boy bring? He's like 11 <laughs> and it's just like gelling down his hair. Maybe it's magic. Maybe it's magic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Doing your hair with magic would be so good. But yeah, he like okay. tries to become friends with Harry. He's like, I'm from a big pure blood family. Like, mm-hmm. we could be besties. We could like make an alliance. And Harry's just like, no, thank you. <laughs> He'll be like, I'll be the judge of that. Because mm. he like is mean to Weasley. He's like, oh, you're a poor yeah. Weasley boy. Yeah. yeah. Harry has morals. Yeah. Although he's not being brought up very lovingly, he has morals. <laughs> and I really respect that. <laughs> a keen sense of justice. <laughs> it's innate in him, right? It's yeah. not, it's, I don't know, in his blood rather than something that he's probably learned. <laughs> and then yeah. they go into the Great Hall, which I love this scene as well, because just the way they built the Great Hall with the ceiling where you can see the sky yes. and the candles floating. That yes. dinner looks off the chain. I want to eat at that place. The long tables and stuff like that. All the roasted meats, all the side dishes. It looks incredible. Yum, 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 yum. (laughs) I'd go to Hogwarts just to eat there. (laughs) When I went to Harry Potter World in London, they actually had like a great hall there as Mm. well, which you could explore. And it was like, it was all fake, but I'm still like, this is amazing. Like actually (laughs) like the amount of detail that really goes into these Mm. sets is like definitely there. Like we don't, we see like five seconds of it, but is honestly like single plate was like full. Yeah, you know you have all the roast the chicken, abundance. yeah, <laughs> yeah, like all the desserts and stuff like that. Like it's really mm. a lot of love I think was put into this set and story um, and world building, which I think is very evident mm. because it just does look so good. Yeah, and then you have the whole sorting hat scene. Yeah, and <laughs> obviously Ron goes to Gryffindor, Hermione as well. And then Harry's just like, not Slytherin, not Slytherin, because I guess he's had that experience with Malfoy. He's heard that all Slytherin people end up bad. So he's like, gets into Gryffindor. Yeah. So like, I think we discussed before, it's about sorting kids into values that they themselves aspire to rather than what they are now. So I guess Harry, because he so doesn't want to be in Slytherin, Mm. and although he could do great things, as says the sorting hat, hat, it better be Gryffindor. <laughs> and then also Neville gets into Gryffindor. Yeah. So he might so, not be the bravest like now, mm-hmm. but I think he probably values courage and bravery. Yes. Yeah. 100%. And speaking of back to Neville before, because I think he does actually display acts of courage mm. um, and bravery, just not in the way that maybe we perceive courage and bravery to be, or maybe the ones that we don't like give enough accolades to, mm-hmm. maybe. So like you know, with Harry, he's so evidently like a hero. Like he goes out of his way to save people. He's so selfless and stuff like that. I think Neville's acts of bravery are just like little ones, like little wins where he just like needs to stand up for himself. Because I guess we see him being bullied a lot, which is like mm. really sad because he's so like innocent. They just yeah. don't know he's going to transform into a hottie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think throughout the whole series, we actually do see more of Neville and his story. And I mm. think it's a really like important one. And yeah, he does transform into a hottie and actually plays a pretty important role in the last few books yeah. slash movie. So 
Yeah, the sorting hat finishes sorting everyone and then they have this incredible dinner. I'm so jealous of it. It looks so yummy. Grand feast. Yeah, very grand. <laughs> they go to their dormitory and then yeah like they you see the inside of Hogwarts and all the staircases mm-hmm. moving the paintings and how like people in the paintings like move around mm-hmm. and it's all just I think very magical and we're like experiencing it as the kids are because they've totally. never seen it before either and so we're seeing it and they're all being like oh wow Ooh. look at the moving pictures and we're like yeah that's pretty cool <laughs> so the scene is like again it's you know maybe a minute or two of not really much happening they're just moving through the school and trying to get to their common room but it's just like, yeah, just seeing this moving world with all yeah. the, the staircases and, yeah, all the, the grandeur of the castle and how big it is and stuff. It's, like, pretty cool. Yeah, and you see the ghosts as well during the dinner. Yeah. Like, nearly had this Nick and all that. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I will say, like, throughout this whole movie, because I've seen it so many times, and I guess the dialogue is really similar to the uh, the novels as well, I could, like, find myself, like, repeating lines before they happen. <laughs> It's like the sorting hat thing, like not Slytherin, not Slytherin. Yeah, yeah. And then Gryffindor. And then the when nearly headless Nick is is introduced as well, and they're all just like, oh, it's nearly headless Nick. And then I just in my head, I can always hear Hermione being like, how are you nearly headless? Yeah, <laughs> nearly headless. How can you be nearly, nearly headless? And he goes like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like these scenes are so like embedded in my mind. Yeah. Like even though I haven't watched this movie and probably like five years or something it's just like I just know them so clearly (laughs) so they go into their common room and then I guess the next scene is them like starting their lives as students at Hogwarts so then Mm -hmm. Harry and Ron are late for their transfiguration class with McGonagall Mm -hmm. you see some parts of like Snape's potions class where he like Mm -hmm. I don't know he like targets Harry Mm -hmm. um and asks him all these questions that he doesn't know the answer to I'm just like I'm just like why is Snape a teacher he's just so mean and for what like why are you a teacher (laughs) He's mean to Harry, let's be but real. I think he's mean to everyone. Like, he's just so uptight and strict. He is uptight and strict, but uh, I think his love for potions particularly probably outweighs his love for teaching. But also, I think if, if you're an adult who's like a teacher mm-hmm. and you see a student who's the son of like your bully, you should be able to look past that and yeah, not but I guess- treat him badly. <laughs> I guess maybe in the wizarding world, there's not there's a bit of a shortage of people who want to teach or who are capable of teaching. I guess it's just one of those ones where, like, I think deep down, he is he is a good person. He just has this outward appearance. Like he, I mean, I guess for other reasons as well that we also find out later. But it's just very much just exterior. But he's not actually an awful person, mm. and he does actually probably want to see students excel. He just isn't going to be the kind of person to be like coddling children I suppose I, I think know. that's sort of the that's the sort of vibe that we get from Snape I just think of like a certain geography teacher at yeah. our school who also was just like so grumpy and I'm like for what like what did that achieve he was grumpy towards juniors yeah and like what did that achieve <laughs> nothing I think he just didn't have patience for pests which is fair because we were 100% pests <laughs> Also, I think like in hindsight, Hogwarts is such a dangerous school. And it's so funny that like in the beginning, Dumbledore's like, don't go into the dark forest, it's forbidden. (laughs) And then you're like sending students in there for detention. And I'm like, if you're such a powerful wizard, I'm totally sure you could put some sort of enchantment so that kids can't go there if it's so dangerous as well. Do you know what I mean? But like, why is it just open for any kid to wander in there? And also they have all these like things hidden indoors that a kid can just do one simple spell and unlock. I'm like, I definitely think you could have done better there in just in terms of child safety and I think there's no like working with children check up here. <laughs> I think um 
it, it is difficult. I mean, how would you regulate that in a world where you can do spells and stuff? Like, it'd be it'd be so hard to just put, like, unbreakable locks on everything. Yeah, and but then... you're supposed to be the most powerful, like, wizard. And, like, <laughs> a you... first-year student is, like, Alohomora and it's all good, and good for them. I think, I think they, so, uh, we're maybe supposed to say that Hermione is, like, the smartest so she's oh, like way okay. better than myself i would i would think so also that okay. level is, is off limits so yeah. actually they're breaking rules so i mean if they follow the rules they would not be in that position also yeah the the dark forbidden forest i did laugh at that too because it was like definitely don't go in the forbidden forest and then the first thing i thought was like well now they're definitely going to go because yeah. if you say <laughs> if you tell a bunch of like little kids that they can't go somewhere like what do you think they're going to do like mm. <laughs> they're like definitely going to go right or at least try or at least be curious but i think when we when we do see the forbidden forest we're like yeah probably i wouldn't go enough <laughs> yeah I, I do think that that punishment was a bit weird and I don't actually remember that happening in the book so I wonder if that I don't know maybe something that's no I think it does actually happen in the book yeah I, I think, think about so. it yeah but yeah, I, I think it's think one like, of those um, ones where yeah I think whoever set that a detention wasn't really a teacher like okay. needs to have their license like, revoked well, isn't it Hagrid? <laughs> yeah yeah Hagrid I would well, say well, is not an exemplary teacher slash authority figure he is very much seen as like their friend and he is like the groundskeeper um, mm. and he does let his mouth run around too much. But I wouldn't say he he's thinking about it. So potentially it's just him um, rather than like, you know, McGonagall would never do that. Do you know what I mean? Well, <laughs> like, I would hope so. But yeah, it's like as a kid, I'm like, oh, I want to go to Hogwarts. Look so magical. Now I just think like half the students probably die. They just end up dead from like wandering into the wrong place that wasn't bought yeah. off from them. I think that's probably just a consequence of the world that they live in. Like mm. if you're going to give people so much power, then there's going to be terrible consequences too for it. I mean, that's why we have such an evil villain because we have magic, right? Mm. I don't know. I just feel like they haven't thought more creatively. I feel like you could have just given first years like limited ones or something. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, I like, put blockers on their ones. Yeah, or something. totally. Why would you just give them powerful <laughs> ones and let them do whatever? <laughs> uh, because the one chooses them. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I think we're supposed to see these people as well, like as sort of exceptional. Like this mm. isn't normal first year behavior because by all means, no one else gets in trouble for doing like <laughs> dangerous things. It's just simply these three people just yeah. find themselves circumstances so yeah for the most part i mean most people yes there's always the threat of danger as with anything else but they're not because they're just following the rules like they're just doing the right thing so (laughs) it's fine (laughs) but yeah we like getting to see all the classes was really fun as well because we see like you know potions we see the famous uh, scene uh, in Charm's class where they're trying to make things fly. So like with the Wingardium Leviosa, but it's Wingardium Leviosa, not Wingardium Leviosa. <laughs> also for the potions class, I had a Harry Potter toy when I was a kid that was like a mini mm-hmm. potion set. Me too. You could, I think I had the gummy one. one, the yeah. lollies. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we had the same one. Yeah, we had the same. I had that toy. <laughs> yeah. but I couldn't. I think all the things that you made out of it didn't taste very good. Though. It was shit. Yeah. But it was totally waste of money. <laughs> yeah, we had the same toy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you also get to see the Quidditch class, which is where Harry like is like the best at Quidditch. McGonagall's <laughs> like, oh, you could be our next seeker. Yeah, yeah. It's so okay. So this scene is to me quite amusing in a lot of ways because yeah we we get to see flying groups for the first time which is really fun and then madame hooch who is the teacher 
very explicitly says, if you do anything wrong whilst I'm gone, because Neville, Neville with the worst luck in the world, has managed to buy off in his broomstick. And actually, yeah. it was one of those things where it's like, why isn't she on a broomstick? I 100% she could, agree. She could have prevented him breaking his arm, basically, because yeah, he kind of like... could have just blown up and caught the broom or something. Yeah. Anyway, I don't or know why your, she was on the like ground. You're, you're magical, like do something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a flying class for people who haven't flown before. Yeah. Just simple things like that. But yeah, so she was ex- very explicitly says, if you do anything stupid whilst I'm gone, which of course they will because they're like 11 year olds with flying broomsticks. Broom yeah. Like, come on, you know, you can basically threaten that they'll be expelled, right? Mm. Or like something bad will happen to them. And then the first thing that happens is Malfoy's like, look at this rememberal. And then he like is mocking it and clearly trying to rile, I guess, Harry up as well. And then Harry, because he's just like, that's wrong. And then give it give me back the rememberal and then just hops in his broomstick and then it's like is a natural at flying which is this is great for him like he's obviously talented it's one of those ones where because he catches it and I guess that's like very like akin to like the purpose of a seeker which incidentally they need for the Gryffindor but it's just one of those ones where it's like so there's no punishment for Harry because he's he really gets a good reward <laughs> He instead is the youngest seeker in the century. Like, this feels like privilege. Like, (laughs) right? Well, I think one of the things, like, people do notice is like Harry's just like instantly the best at everything, you know? He's like, good at this, good wizard, good Quidditch player. Like, oh, he's just so talented. Yeah, I think so. I think it becomes like the story of Harry just getting away with everything. Like, (laughs) (laughs) because, yeah, like, Madam Hooch is like, if anything happens, then you know, you guys will get expelled or whatever. And then, oh, but unless... You know, little, you, Harry. Yeah, like asterisks, <laughs> unless you're Harry Potter and you're really good at flying, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Incidentally, we do need you to represent the school for something. Yeah. <laughs> Besides that, then yes, you'll get expelled. So it's yeah. kind of like, well, look, just Harry just gets away with everything, which is, <laughs> I guess, the way it is for the story. But it's just like... Must be nice. This is, yeah, it must be nice. <laughs> must be nice to be famous and rich and also privileged and, and talented and mm. all sorts of stuff. But yeah, it is quite funny. And then afterwards, like, the kids go to the forbidden third floor. This is when you first see Fluffy. You first see Hermione deploy Alohomora. And then, yeah, you get the sense that, like, ooh, something is hidden in this school. What could it be? Mm. Mystery. Mm. And then you get a Quidditch game, Yeah, I think. Oh, yeah. and before that, I think Harry gets his broomstick, which is the Nimbus 2000, which oh, yes. is a very big model. And wink, wink, it's from McGonagall. Very odd use of school funds. <laughs> I agree. I was like, is she buying everyone broomsticks? Like, <laughs> well, is she buying everyone the best broomstick? Is yeah. the question. I didn't see any other Nimbus 2000s, but no, I actually I got think- it wrong. This is the scene where Oliver teaches Harry the rules. Oh, yeah, with the yeah. bludger and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is cool. Like, I like that they showed that in the mm. film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, I think that this is why it's so long that they spend some time explaining how Quidditch like, works. Stuff like that, which is mm. not important to the story, but important to the world that they build. Um, mm. I also think that Oliver Wood is a terrible name. But anyway. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but they keep referring him to him as Wood. Wood. <laughs> <laughs> he also says something like, oh, you'd be a good bludger. So I'm like, oh, Harry's just good at everything, I guess. Or a yeah. beater, sorry, a beater. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the bludger's the ball. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and then you see the ha- like Halloween-themed dinner. So in the great hall yeah. the candles are replaced yeah. by the pumpkins and the food looks incredible again you have all that candy <laughs> I'm like oh I mean it's kind of like later on you find out that the dinners are like being made by slave elves so you're kind of like oh <laughs> that's a bit shit 
Oh, those little but it looks really great. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, troll in the dungeon. At the feast, Quirrell barges in and he's like, troll, troll, troll. in the dungeon. <laughs> and then everyone leaves except Harry. He's like, Hermione. She's oh, yeah, they the made her cry. Ron yeah, made her cry. Ron was like, oh, she's so stuck up, blah, 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 blah. But yeah. he's not wrong, but he probably shouldn't have said it so loudly. And yeah. at this point, I think it's also established that Hermione has kind of taken liking and they are sort of a trio. Like they do mm. hang out and they do talk and stuff together. So actually what he said is pretty hurtful. Like obviously he was just annoyed that she was good at spells and intelligent and he couldn't get anything to work because yeah. it was pronouncing. Leviosa. Leviosa. Not Leviosa. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so she's crying in the toilet and then when Pyro barges and everyone jumps out, um, runs out the hall, but Harry and Ron stay behind and run to go save Hermione and tell her that there's a troll. And then it's too late. The troll's already in the bathroom and Hermione's like scared. As she would be. As you would be. And she doesn't have, it doesn't seem like she has a wand with yeah. her at the moment, which I think is probably important as well because I think if she had her wand, she probably she could have, have done, done something. something. Yeah. Yeah. Because the spell that actually ends up being the troll is the Wingardium Leviosa. So it's showing a little bit of growth from Ron himself, you know. <laughs> he actually learns how to do the spell and then they all get points for bravery. For beating a troll. <laughs> yeah. Harry, like, sticks his wand up the troll's nose in a way, yeah. trying to distract it. And afterwards, he, like, pulls it out and wipes the snot using his robe. Mm. And I'm like, you're in a fucking bathroom. Like, there are taps right <laughs> over there. Like, why would you do that on your robe? Because he's a little boy. Oh. <laughs> little boys are so gross. <laughs> little children are pretty gross in yeah. general. <laughs> I was like, oh, right. gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this is when you also, or I guess their friendship is like firmly solidified now, solidified it. They're the trio, they're fast friends now. And then you get the Quidditch game, which is really fun yeah. to watch, I think. So fun. We, I mean, we get to see Quidditch for the first time with all the veteran balls. So there's the Quaffle and then the Budgers. The two, two Budgers. Yeah, two, two yeah. and one quaffle. And then I guess we have see Harry for the first time playing Quidditch. It's not evident whether he got training or not yeah, I so you don't see the coaching <laughs> you don't see the coaching of it so you kind of like did they just throwing into this game like just chucked him in there yeah. hoping for the best catch the snitch <laughs> we see the game it's very fun like you know the balls flying people on broomsticks and, and the crowds cheering it sounds it seems pretty fun to be mm. honest like if you were there and it's Gryffindor v Slytherin yeah very mm, um, rivals yeah and then we do notice that Snape is muttering a curse oh, could so we all, yeah, so we all kind of think at this point, well, Snape is bad. He mm. doesn't like Harry. He's trying to kill him, literally. Yeah. <laughs> the two and two together, it just seems like you know, it's him putting a curse on um, on Harry. Mm. Um, but then Hermione, she like sets his robe on fire, then he stops. Mm. Um, and then Harry's able to continue the game. And then, of course, I think he trips and then swallows the snitch. Yeah, he swallows it. Yeah, he swallows it and then they win and it's like, oh, Harry Potter, his oh, first he's ever best. game. Yeah. <laughs> the youngest ever game. game. Yeah. yeah. Good for him. I guess it's something we didn't actually talk about before, but I think part of his talent is sort of attributed to, because his father was a oh, seeker yeah. as well, and it's the scene where Ron's like, Harry, did you know your father was a seeker too? And then Harry, who is an orphan, by the way, and has never met his parents, is like, I didn't know. And I'm just like, 
screaming at Ron, like, his parents are dead. Like, he's never <laughs> known them. How the hell was he supposed to know that his father was a seeker? Like, But I also <laughs> feel someone like Dumbledore or Hagrid or anyone should have just, mm. like, because they know that Harry's lived his whole life in the Muggle mm. world and doesn't know anything about magical wizardry. Mm. I think the bare minimum they could have done is just like, hey, Harry, like, let me tell you about your family. Like, let me yeah. chat to you. Like, look, your dad was a seeker. Your mom was this. Like... <laughs> They give him nothing, no context at all. No, they're just kind of like, your parents are really great. I guess he does find out later that they like they pass away protecting him as well. Mm. But yeah, I think they don't really give him like an intro to the wizarding world as well. Like he just sort of learns everything on the spot, which in a way kind of goes well for the reader because we can learn things You're as learning he learns. But in a way, it's kind of like, well, of course he's going to be surprised and not know anything because he, he doesn't. You guys you guys just dropped him into this new world where everything is completely different. They don't even write with proper pens. They write with quills. <laughs> Why did they write with quills? <laughs> it's actually so funny. I'm like, just use a fucking pen. <laughs> like they ha- they don't have they have owls to deliver their mail. Yeah. It's sort of like a world that hasn't really progressed maybe in terms of like technology and stuff. And you know, it's like mad technology, right? Like it's yeah, a like whole other it doesn't need to progress in the way that the, the muggle world needs to progress but it's just so like antiquated in in a way because it is it hasn't had to progress mm. so i'd be like yeah. where's the tv yeah <laughs> i mean i guess there's other things you can do yeah. um and i don't think harry himself was particularly watching tv exactly so it's probably not a big deal for him but yeah just like sort of like the quills and the parchment paper and stuff like mm. that which is all very like classic wizard mm. like fantasy yeah old-fashioned yeah um, but it is funny, just like he's probably never used a quill in his life, you know? <laughs> but yeah. Like, where can I get a bick around here? Like, shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> yeah. And so we are getting like tidbits of like his family life and stuff mm. like that. I don't think him, his father being a seeker is probably an important fact. So it's kind of odd that it's kind of slipped in there. Like, did you know your father was a seeker? And it's, like, mm. it's in no, his I blood. Know. He's just destined to be great. Yeah, exactly. Mm. It's just like, no, I never my father because um, he's a baby and by the way died. yeah i'm an orphan <laughs> yeah just rub it in why don't you ron <laughs> everyone knows he's an orphan he's famous yeah. for being an orphan what you- yeah <laughs> like it's anyway, <laughs> anyway yeah. kids right one's just a bit i mean i don't think he's the most sensitive i think he tends no, to he's blurt not. out yeah i mean as we saw with hermione like he just sort of blurted yeah. it out even though he sort of meant it, he didn't mean it for it to come out in the way that it did. Or for her to hear it like that. Yeah. yeah. Or for her to hear it like that. Yeah. He's a bit clueless, but that's fine. Oh, classic Ron. But yes. <laughs> and now the movie progresses along and it's Christmas time. So Hermione is going back home for the break, but Harry would much rather stay at Hogwarts, understandably, um, and so is Ron. So you have a cute little Christmassy scene. Yeah, so Ron shouts at Harry to be like, it's Christmas, you got presents. Yeah, and then Harry, who's never like probably gotten a Christmas present in his life, suddenly wakes up to a present for him. Like he has like the sweat hand sweater with the R, which I think he thinks is kind of like silly. Um, it's something that he like probably gets a lot, like just handmade gifts and stuff. But to Harry, this is like amazing. Oh, like he's never gotten anything like this before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's quite warm and fuzzy. And I think it really is telling of like Molly Weasley's character. Like she's so warm and loving. She has a huge family, but she never like is shy about welcoming Harry or mm-hmm. anyone else to her home. 
maternal, very loving. Yeah, I really wish we'd seen more of her character in this movie because I think she is such a good character. Mm. But yeah, a little Christmassy scene, Harry and Ron, the new family. Yeah. <laughs> like all alone in the um, dormitory. And yeah. then there's like a little extra present for Harry, which is like invisibility cloak. Mm, Mystery gift. Yeah. yeah, which also used to belong to his father, I believe. I mean, I can't believe you'd give a kid an invisibility cloak and not expect him to like get up to nonsense well i mean i think that was sort of the point right yeah <laughs> you put your life in danger so i guess because they had seen the three-headed dog they were curious as you can mm. imagine as to why it's there so they do go into the library um with the invisibility cloak to go into the restricted section as recommended by hermione and i think they see quirrell yeah and they having a little fight yeah. like what could mm. they be fighting about and they I also know. Harry also goes to see the mirror of Eris. Eris said. And then he sees like him and his family and like, he finds out that it shows you your deepest desire. Because I think Ron sees himself as head boy or something. Head boy with dragons. Yeah. Dumbledore says he like sees himself with socks, allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> All these like little things are sort of like building up mm. to sort of the climax of the movie we can't believe and believe but not even there yet like <laughs> the all just still building along <laughs> yeah like they're finding out what the philosopher's stone is so you find out that it's like a stone that will like let you live forever it's everything you touch turn to gold as well yeah and the owner nicholas flamel has lived over 600 years which i'm like god mm. haven't you had enough you know well i mean he did <laughs> he really did have enough yeah. just why the Stone to Dumbledore. <laughs> Had enough. <laughs> oh my god! After six hundred years, don't you think? Oh, good lord! <laughs> yeah. Well, he keeps it to Dumbledore to keep safe. Um, yeah. And what safer place then at the at in Hogwarts the middle with, of the school? Yeah. Well, guarded by Dumbledore, who is supposed to be the greatest wizard mm-hmm. of all time at this point. I mean, it didn't really work out, but. <laughs> So they Thanks figure for trying. Out, yeah, they do figure out a little bit more because they do visit Hagrid, but at night, and he somehow has a dragon egg which he mm. got from a stranger, and we find out later on that he's accidentally slipped something again to a stranger of how to make this three-headed dog uh, calm. Yeah, playing some music. Yeah. Silly, silly Hagrid. Silly, silly Hagrid. <laughs> he honestly needs a bigger hut as well. But yeah. yeah. Um, Malfoy like sees them uh, visit Hagrid at night and sees the dragon and he's like a little snitch <laughs> yeah. so he dobs them in God. but you know and they all get detention yeah, yeah I was gonna say snitches get stitches yeah. so <laughs> he's like smug like oh you three got detention yeah and then she's gonna go like the four of you and he's like I think you were mistaken you said four and I'm like you were also out at night yeah like, what did you expect I'm not sure this yeah. little 11 year old boy so yeah they get detention and then they go into the forbidden forest guided by hagrid it's a this weirdest attention because so it's weird. like this is probably not for kids to be yeah. honest and malfoy's like wait till my father hears about this and this is the one thing that i agree with him because <laughs> i definitely think parents should know about this <laughs> they're not kid appropriate and then yeah. they go into the forbidden forest and they're searching for a dead unicorn yeah, and just like, split up so Hagrid's like, you, Malfoy and yeah. Harry, you go off. I'll just, I'm like, you guys should not split up in this, like, yeah, huge forest. Not sure. And then they kind of just leave them with Fang, which is Hagrid's dog. Uh, he's, a coward. he's a coward. And he's just a cute, I mean, he's a big dog, but he's a cute yeah. big dog. <laughs> Eventually they do see a dead unicorn, like Harry and Malfoy, and this figure is feeding off it. 
mm-hmm. and you're like it's super scary like it's like cloaked in black you can't see its face it looks kind of like shadowy and it's about to like lunge at them but then they're saved by a centaur who just happens to be a good good person or like a yeah. neutral person and knows that i guess there's someone feeding on unicorns mm-hmm. in the forest which is not good it sounds like he just knows what's been hidden in hogwarts and like mm-hmm. who would want to keep themselves alive with unicorn blood he's not going to tell them no but he i don't know i feel like he should have talked to dumbledore if he knows so much <laughs> well we get the idea that probably dumbledore may have an inkling but probably mm-hmm. doesn't know the exact details yeah. whereas i think the centaurs are meant to be very neutral characters so they don't really want to interfere the only yeah. reason why they interview with this is because it's affecting them like because you know, the, the unicorn is part of their forest and this thing is killing things in their forest. So they just like feel they don't like that, obviously. Yeah, fair. <laughs> <laughs> Completely fair. The kids like, you know, find out heaps what the centaur told them. They realize the Philosopher's Stone is in there, that someone's trying to get to it. So credit to the kids. They do try to talk to Dumbledore. They're like, we need to talk mm-hmm. to Dumbledore. They go to McGonagall like, we need, a, we need an audience with the headmaster right now. <laughs> These three little 11-year-olds. We need to talk to the manager. Yeah. <laughs> And she's like, well, he's not here, so. Yeah, he's busy. Yeah. You know, (laughs) he's being important. He's busy. (laughs) So I guess to them, they're like, well, we have no choice. We've got to take matters into our own hands. (laughs) Us three kids, I guess no one else is going to Yeah. Yeah. Because they know how to get past Fluffy at this point, which is with music. They're like, we're confident. We know how to do this. (laughs) We got this, but they don't got this. this. (laughs) Well, they do. They go up to the room. And Fluffy's already asleep. Oh, but before that, this is where Neville tries to stop them. Oh, yeah. So this is where... Be um, brave boy. Yeah, so this is where he shows his sort of version of bravery, which is, you know, you guys are going to get Gryffindor in trouble again. Like, I need to stop you guys. And then he tries. But Hermione's like, sorry, Neville. And then binds him with a yeah. spell. Yeah, he tried. The, the point is he tried. This scene made me think of like how insane bullying must be at school if you can like petrify <laughs> someone. I mean, they did have, I mean, this is probably why the whole events of Hogwarts happens. I mean, with Harry Potter and all that. Because we have, we can have like enchanted objects and well, people like Voldemort can exist. Can you imagine? God, it must be hell. <laughs> it would be terrible to be living in that time. If everything goes well, it's probably mm. really great. I mean, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, justice for Neville, he tried. He gave it his best shot. Good old Neville. So then, yeah, they go to Fluffy. They're like, we we can, like, um, play him some music. But then the harp's already playing. He's already asleep. What does that mm-hmm. mean, Alice? Somebody's already been there. Oh, my God. <laughs> also, that dog is stuck in, like, this tiny room. Yeah, poor doggy. Yeah. Needs a walk. Fluffy needs to get outside. But, yeah, yeah. so they... They get inside and then they like in this devil's snare. Thing. Yeah, which is a plant. Yeah. And thank God Hermione listened in herbology class. Thank goodness <laughs> Hermione is a nerd. So yeah. she knows that it's a devil's snare. She recognizes it and she's like, don't struggle or it's going to kill you. And they're like, what? That's definitely going to make us struggle. Like we can't <laughs> relax now. And she relaxes and she gets like she slid just, down. Yeah. yeah. Like, to the ground and they're just like what the hell the both of them have to basically follow suit or they will they will die <laughs> yeah well harry relaxes eventually but ronald keeps struggling bless his soul and then thank god again hermione listened because she knows that the devil snare hates the sun so she does like a little light spell they would be fucked without hermione this whole journey of harry potter is 
he would be nothing without his friends. Yeah. As brave as he is, he's not quite capable of – he's not strong enough on his own, I think, is the mm. other thing. It's about friendship. So, yeah, they're all sort of contributing to this journey. And then we move on to the locks. Mm. So there's like all these charmed locks um, and then a flying broomstick. And then I guess the idea is that you need to find the key that will unlock it. But there's like thousands of keys. But mm. then Harry being a seeker, he knows exactly which key to find. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I got this. And there's a broomstick. Finds it pretty easily, to be honest. Pretty simple. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty easy for him. I'm like, if this little kid could do it, I feel like a grown-up adult. Is, oh, the best seeker. He is the best. Okay. <laughs> So they fly through that very quickly. And then now it's Ron's turn to show oh, his prowess. It's time to shine. With his um, wizard's chest, which is yeah. actually quite, as Hermione says, quite barbaric. The chess pieces, when you kill off a piece, it kind of like wipes it clean off the board and like smashes it out. Yeah. But I do want to say that this scene, I have seen on TikTok many, many times for some reason of people reenacting this scene. Okay. It's very specific, but it's absolutely hilarious. Like the yeah. first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's kind of like pretty accurate. But the more you see it, the more you just like can't unsee it now. So okay. this whole I was coming up, I'm like, oh my god, like I do, I like know these lines because I've seen them so really dramatic. When he's like, Harry, E4, (laughs) and then it's like (laughs) dramatic music, yeah. And then he's like, Harry, you know what to do. Oh, yes, this (laughs) This is what I wrote down because it's so dramatic. And then Harry's like, no, there must be another way. And it's so, it's supposed to be very emotional. And it's like these little kids crying to act, yeah. Yeah, it's just like Hermione being like, it was Hermione who said that. It's just like, no, Ron, you can't. There must be another way. And then um, Harry's like, I I, I can't do this without you. And then Ron's, you know, being like, no, you have to. This is the only way. This is the only way to win the game. Yeah. Yeah. The only way we'll win the game. So he like very slowly moves his horse over and then he like basically sacrifices himself so that they can checkmate right Mm. and then move on (laughs) yeah this is like probably the part where I would have died because I don't know how to play chess (laughs) well that's why you need a friend like Ron yeah (laughs) you know how to play chess yeah like not great so you would have gotten us through not well but um (laughs) I know the moves I don't think I would have gotten us through let's be real okay Let's be real. I would be dying with you. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's also funny. One. Yeah. It's also funny because like Ron's horse gets stabbed, but then he like dramatically flies off. <laughs> like you didn't get hurt. Yeah. It's such a funny scene. It's yeah. so funny. I think it's hindsight, but I think when you first watch it, you're just like sort of sucked into this like whole human size wizard's chest set, which is actually mm. really cool. You sort of don't really look at the acting and stuff. But I think when you do look at it, you're like, wow, this scene is something <laughs> yeah and then like uh harry's like oh hermione like help ron i'm gonna like it's gotta be me it's all very dramatic again and mm-hmm. he, like, he's gonna getting ready to like face the final boss mm-hmm. and then hermione's like you'll be okay harry you're a great wizard and he's like <laughs> not as good as you are and she's like books and cleverness yeah <laughs> there's more important things friendship and bravery <laughs> I know it's so like blatant as well. Like at this point, it's just like we don't even have to look into the characters because she says it all. Yeah. 
it's quite it's a funny scene because it is so like obvious but mm. at the same time whatever they're kids <laughs> yeah well the, yeah the kids are really trying and like yeah. i think important to note that emma watson and Rupert mm-hmm. they weren't actors like they had acted in yeah. school plays but they weren't like seasoned actors and daniel radcliffe did some but wasn't also like a huge kid actor I mean, or anything so they were all sort of beginners to this again they were very young when they were mm. cast and they were like actually kids so i mean even if they had experience like it's what hard. could they have had yeah <laughs> yeah like it's hard because you've only had 11 years to live so there's only yeah. so many years of experience that you could have possibly had you know yeah they are trying and i do think that they do a pretty okay job at it like yeah it's just kind of cute when you watch it again they're kids playing kids like yeah it's fine <laughs> and they do get better. I think they genuinely really embody the characters well as the mm-hmm. movies progress. Well, yeah, they really become mm. it. And then Harry enters final boss level and oh my God, plot twist. It's not Snape. Who is it, Alice? Queer. Quirrell. Oh my. <laughs> oh, we just didn't expect you know, it at all. I know. And then suddenly he becomes, so from this whole movie, we've seen Quirrell as a very like, he's so stuttering, very quiet, meek sort of character who's like, a little bit awkward but then suddenly when we meet him in this room standing in front of the mirror he's like this very confident character he's sort of like conniving quite like dark as well like in the movie you don't really see why he's sort of turned this way mm. it, in the book it sort of alludes that he goes on this journey um and then like he into meets a forest or a jungle or something yeah somewhere like deserted and then he like meets Voldemort or something or Voldemort entices him into mm something because basically what we find out is that Voldemort isn't inhabiting his body because he isn't strong enough to have a physical body yet he just Mm. has like soul I suppose so we get this like it's actually quite frightening but and he turns around he took sorry he takes his turban off and we see that Voldemort's head is like on the back of his head and I'd say like that is pretty like grotesque looking Mm. even like you know 20 odd years later we're still like oh it's actually still really like like Mm. in a a good way because it's like it's supposed to be yeah yeah it's supposed to be quite grotesque and stuff because we just see like these facial features like at the back of his head and you know like it's like oh this is the first time we see that lord Voldemort is actually back he's trying to come back i guess in this first movie if you were just to watch the movie you wouldn't know why he's so bad like you don't Mm-hmm. You just get told he's an evil person, but you don't really get a yeah. sense of what he did to the wizarding world. And I guess we do kind of see him as quite scary. But yeah, you're right. Like in, it's something that you probably like need to read the book at this point if you just had just seen this movie mm. to sort of really understand what he's done. So I guess the point is that he's just trying to get the philosopher's stone to come back to life, and Quirrell is sort of his vessel to do that. Mm. And the stone is in the mirror, so Quirrell can't get it. But mm. Harry looks in the mirror and Mirror Harry gives him a cheeky little wink and puts huh? the stone in his pocket, yeah. transfers it to him. Voldemort's like, oh, it's in it. He has it. Like, get it from him. Mm. Her was like, give me the stone. And Harry's like, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to give it to you. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then Quirrell tries to like, I don't know, like kill him. Yeah. But then when he puts his hand on Harry, what happened? He, like his, his finger is like... Yeah burn and crumble up yeah, yeah he can't touch him mm-hmm. it's later explained to harry that the reason he can't touch him is because his parent his mom specifically has sacrificed herself for him and so he's got like this barrier of love basically power of love <laughs> this the power of love is protecting him from the evil spirits of lord Voldemort. <laughs> but i do like i think it's like it's something that because it's so 
weak as a as an excuse for why something evil can't touch you. It's, yeah, it's very like anticlimactic as to why he can't touch him. I think. Yeah, <laughs> because you're expecting this whole little like battle at the yeah. end, but then it just really ends up with Harry kind of like mm-hmm. burning Quirrell's face, and he mm-hmm. kind of like uh, turns into dust, and then Voldemort doesn't have a vessel, so he just like flies off. Mm-hmm. But it's a bit anticlimactic, and then you like go to the hospital, and Dumbledore's like, "Oh yeah, like your yeah, mom loved you. you, so you can't <laughs> die from Voldemort." It just seems like sort of silly that this is the thing that we've kind of come up to. But I mean, it is the beginnings of a story. It's not mm. this is not a standalone story as we know. Um, there is more to come. So as a means to introducing Voldemort, mm. I'm not mad at it, I guess. And then in the hospital, Dumbledore tells him that the stone has been destroyed. It's like, oh yeah, Nick's had enough. Yeah, I'm like, oh, oh god. <laughs> I think he's like 665 years yeah. old. Not like, yeah, I, oh I think I would have enough. Maybe if I just had an endless supply of gold, I would I would chill out for 600 years. Yeah, maybe. But then I maybe. feel like, what could you possibly do? Like, what hobby could you get so bored? You'd bother. start podcasting. Okay, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's all sort of happy go lucky from here. Happy ending. But. I have an issue here with the whole end of year dinner. Mm-hmm. I just feel like as an educator, Dumbledore and the teachers should not be fostering disunity and dysfunction among the houses. <laughs> I think so. You enter the Great Hall, everything's like covered in Slytherin decorations because they've technically won the House Cup. They've mm-hmm. gotten the most points. Then Dumbledore stands up and he's like, actually, just wait a minute. Let me award some last minute points. Mm-hmm. He gives them the exact amount of points necessary yeah. to overtake Slytherin. So he gives Hermione and Ron 50 points each. He gives Harry 60 points. And then he gives Neville a little 10 points yeah. for standing up to his friends. Yeah, it's important that Neville yeah. gets the 10 points because that really pushes them over the edge to win. And I think this is probably why, like, the book and movie have sort of, like, fostered this image of, like, Slytherin people being really, really bad. And it's because of scenes like this. Gryffindor is the best. Slytherin is yeah. the worst, but we only see Slytherin as the worst because the people that we see in Slytherin are bad. Yeah, it's a whole house and we only yeah. see like 10 members who are yeah. pieces of shit, but like I'm sure with every other house there are shitty members. Yeah, I mean I yeah. think that the people who are shitty in Slytherin are particularly like have like an exceptionally evil, shitty. Exceptionally <laughs> shitty, but also like evil I think as well. We always mm. associate Slytherin with Voldemort and then also mm. I guess like the Death Eaters and stuff like that. A lot of them are like kiki racist like pure blood. Yeah yeah blood yeah. Blood. I yeah. Mean, that, that's like the ideology of but it's, it is a weird thing to be the head of a school and then. Well I just think like Dumbledore should be a neutral party as the headmaster so when he does that like, 10 points and he's like oh actually well, looks like a change of decorations is necessary yeah. and makes a whole fuss of changing everything yeah. to the Gryffindor colors I'm like what a dog act. Yeah <laughs> shouldn't have been him it probably should have been another team yeah. to be fair and I do disagree with him giving out points to like Harry and Ron and Hermione for basically saving the whole school I think that that's okay fair enough but the Neville thing I think even though yeah that was a really that was cool of Neville I suppose to get points for that whereas like are we awarding all students for points of bravery and courage and stuff like that and then we do see that actually I think Gryffindor came last, but they came last by quite a lot as well. So yeah. really they did need something like saving the whole school to, <laughs> to, to come first. Keep up. <laughs> How come Slytherin are getting so many points? It doesn't make sense. Even if he wanted to give all those points, including 10 points to Neville, he should have done it privately. So then mm-hmm. oh, like you're not like humiliating yeah, Slytherin by like 
literally changing the decorations and erasing this. Yeah. Like, you know, they were sitting in at dinner thinking they won. Yeah, they probably should have done it like, before the whole ceremony, to be honest. Yeah, pull the rug yeah. out from underneath them. Yeah. I just think that was a bit of a dog act. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it's all good. Gryffindor I, won. I, all the other houses are cheering and Slytherin's just sitting there like, Ugh, which I think is understandable. <laughs> understandable. But I think you also get the sense that a lot of people don't really like Slytherin. It's strange. <laughs> it's strange <laughs> that we have like a villainous part of the school. And then for some reason, this part of the school is just everyone just consistently hates. Yeah. Probably should be doing more to foster that unity. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> anyway. But I think when you're reading it, you don't really like mind it too much because you are sort of mm. on the side of Gryffindor, especially because you want Harry to win. Like you want his friends to be the winners. So you're kind of like, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> I think it's potentially also like a perspective you gain when you're a bit older mm. and you're like not reading this as a child. Mm. But anyway, school's ended and things are great. And everyone goes home. It's all good. Everyone goes home. Hagrid finally gives Harry an album with, like, pictures of his yeah. parents. Yeah. She shouldn't have given it in the first place, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, cute ending. Everything's happy until the next one. Yeah. Chamber of Secrets, which yeah. I don't think we have any plans yet to go through. But, <laughs> I mean, I'm happy to watch it even, if, like, off the podcast. Like, I would probably mm. rewatch Harry Potter at some point in my life. Yeah, it's a very cute movie. I love how it establishes the whole world of Harry Potter. Yeah, well, whether um, you said that you noticed a couple of things that were missing from the books, do you remember what they were? Um, one of them is like the very first chapter of the book, McGonagall's there and talks about how she has been observing the Dursleys for a long time. And like, ah, yes, yes. And then she's like talking to Dumbledore, being like, they are the worst. Are you sure this is correct? Like, this is the mm. right thing to do. Um, and the other thing is, what do you call them? Like the levels before getting to the Philosopher's Stone? Well, there's supposed to be a scene where Snape actually helps to protect the stone. So there's like a riddle that he makes up with potion. <gasps> yeah, but the potion one. I forgot about that. You have to decipher the riddles to like drink the potion. Mm, and drink one. And then like, yeah. like they will all kill you except for one or something like that. Thinking about it as a child being like, oh, they missed out on this. I was just thinking because I think that that was – really clever because when I remember reading it being like oh I don't know which patient (laughs) (laughs) I see why they took it out to be honest I think like yeah in a movie that's already like two and a half hours I can see why of all the like trials that that existed that one's the most boring in a way like quotation marks like it's just people standing around potions talking it's not as action heavy as like a chess game or like flying around on a broomstick so I can see why they left it out yeah yeah like in a book it would read really well but yeah visually it's probably not as interesting so yeah I totally get why they took it out but at Mm. the time I was like oh but that's really that was such a good part of it I totally forgot about that bit yeah I mean, I think to for me, it still holds up. I don't know how much of that is just my yeah, just nostalgia. nostalgia for it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, half of it probably is nostalgia. I don't know. It's just done really well. Like, if you were ever a fan of the book, you really brought the characters and this magical world to life. And then, yeah, even like going into like Harry Potter worlds, like as an adult, it's still really exciting. I do. I always love going to those places because I'm like, oh, it just. It just looks so good. Yeah, there's like no theme parks in Sydney. Well, in, in New South Wales. <laughs> Unless you go to like Queensland, yeah, but I don't I wouldn't. 
not after the whole thing that happened at Dreamworld. Oh my god, yeah. people dying. Yeah. Dreamworld, death issues, SeaWorld, not really a fan of. And then there's only Movie World, which is like a really poor man's version yeah. of Universal Studios. Yeah. yeah. Be real. Yeah. Don't come to Australia for the theme parks. Okay. We used to have Wonderland, no. but that's close. Yeah. Oh, you have Jamboree where you control the action. <laughs> the, the water park. Yeah. <laughs> Until we're in, you know, Japan or America next. Mm-hmm. When? <laughs> I don't know. Next year? <laughs> I think that actually might be like the last Halloween-y sort of episode. Mm, spooky season is over. Yeah. Next week we are doing like a TV recap. So I guess the way we'll do it is we'll talk about things that we're watching on TV. Obviously, duh. <laughs> Just random like what's what's been been released recently things that we've been watching maybe outside this podcast too yeah just like general tv chit chat yeah yeah basically just yeah i think we both watch a lot of tv (laughs) we love to watch tv we're gonna we're gonna do like thanks for listening talk to you next time bye what's it um is there a spell you know Expelliarmus, Wingardium Liviosa, Alohomora, Lumos, and then the Killing Curse. Oh, yeah. Let's not say those. I think I already said it this podcast. Oh, did you? Yeah, I did. I'm pretty sure I did. That's fine. Oh, you did it. Yeah. yeah I'm, okay. I'm, I'm not a witch. You're not a. Yeah, I don't have oh, any. Yeah, you're powers. not a witch, right? Yeah. Sure. I mean, I'm glad. Like, there's a. Unless. <laughs> you know. <don't... laughs>